2: This is the ribs and BK podcast on one Oh one ESPN.
1: All these gentlemen know about the list. will be making their, uh, really their major league debut when they play. So Dylan Carlson, Seth Elledge, John Nagowski, we will recall uh, Mr. Sanchez, and we will have Rob Kaminsky also add.
4: Oh, it's the day we have all been waiting for. Rob Kaminsky making his Major League Baseball debut. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day for a decade, it feels like. Remember when they traded him? Who? What was that, the Brandon Moss trade for Ario? When they traded Kaminsky up to Cleveland? Yep. Yep. He's back. He's back in the
5: big leagues. Haven't you been waiting for this forever, Jamie? Seriously, guys, we had all this talk surrounding all the things, and I just had my fingers crossed I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to jinx it.
4: But, yes, I'm jacked up. You even remember the guy's name? Kaminsky. (laughs) Well done. The real news there, of course, <laughs> is that Dylan Carlson is officially up in the big leagues. We will talk with Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. He's a prospect guru. He'll tell us everything that we can expect from Dylan Carlson whenever he does officially arrive in the bigs this weekend.
5: OK, before we get going here, I have to tell our listeners a couple things. One, walking into the station today, BK is actually floating. He hasn't had to take a step. He's just h- hovering above the ground. He's this so is happy.
4: a natural gl- Today.
5: And he's very happy that John Moselock listened to all his cries right. and all of his information. And we know that Mosel is an avid listener, specifically to Rivs and BK. And yep, yeah, your thoughts and your prayers have been answered, BK. And I'm very, very happy for you. You know what's really
4: nice? All it took. All it <laughs> took was we... Get past the projected Super 2 deadline I'm sure that was an important one And there were 10 players that tested positive <laughs> for the coronavirus we, we used to
5: say in the minors before I got to the NHL Oh, I'm just a bus crash away from being called up, right? It was, it was making light of the fact that there's like 10, 15 guys lined up ahead of me um, But now I guess we could say, oh, it's just going to take a pandemic to get called up Guess who
4: didn't get called up ahead of him? Justin Williams Oh, boy. I was waiting for his name to be included Yesterday I was like where's Justin Williams when's this coming I'm Sure it's gonna be right around the corner Didn't come I thought when I listened
5: To it I thought I had missed it do you Know what I'm saying because I'm Mm -hmm. like okay Williams has to be on his Way up as well
4: so I thought I missed It and then I reheard it over and over and I was like oh Well so much for that one so let's Get a reset because the Cardinals Are expected to be in action starting Tomorrow Doubleheader, single Game doubleheader, single game And it's basically gonna be like that the rest of the year, more or less. If you forgot who is going to be out when they resume play, here's the list. It's going to take a second. Yadier Molina, Paul DeYoung, Ronhell Ravello, sorry Ferrario. Edmundo Sosa, Austin Dean, sorry, Ferrario, Lane Thomas, <laughs> Cody Whitley, Junior Fernandez, Ryan Helsley, Carlos Martinez. And now you can add Austin Gomber to that list, not because he tested positive, but because he may have had contact with somebody oh. that tested positive. So he is going to be here in St. Louis while the team is in Chicago. That's for the breaking time news for me. Actually, I did not know my head.
5: I've been in a hockey arena in my own bubble.
4: I did not know Austin Gomber now. Oh, my God. Just for good measure. Because, you know, they didn't have enough pitchers already on the sidelines. Yeah, why not, right? That's your starting catcher, shortstop, outfielder-ish with Lane Thomas a few relievers a starter a swing guy (laughs) it's gonna be tough this is going to be a difficult time for the cardinals and they're gonna be playing a lot of games over the next week or so like i said doubleheader tomorrow doubleheader on monday doubleheader on wednesday eight games in the next five days a lot of baseball for you to watch here in st louis that's the positive side of thing the other thing that i would look for here jamie I'm going to be very interested to see how much of a youth movement we see, not just with Dylan Carlson, but I found it interesting that John Mozalock yesterday said that he expects Andrew Kisner to also get a decent amount of run during this time period with Yadi out.
1: Well, obviously he's going to get a lot of opportunity to play given the, the double headers. And, you know, obviously I think when you look at, you know, his potential against left hand pitching too, that's something that we should make sure we're cognizant of and um you know i think you know last year he distinguished himself fairly well but with yadi and, and weedy it was hard for him to get time unless one of them was hurt but unique opportunity and hopefully he makes the most of with weedy weedy's
4: i like it with weedy you, you can't get that 35 year old catcher out of the lineup I would like to see them go in this direction, Jamie, especially with the guys that are coming up from the satellite camp. These dudes that have been in quarantine for the last two weeks, it's going to be real tough for them to just get right back to it at 100% while also playing all of these double doubleheaders. They're going to be exhausted. So a guy like Andrew Kisner, let's see what he's got behind the plate. Tommy Edman, let's see what he can do for you at shortstop. Let's see what one of those outfielders that's on the outside looking and for playing time on any given day can give you at DH instead of t- trying out Brad Miller there. I would like to see a little bit of a youth movement, at least for the time being, until you get Yadi and DeYoung and all of these guys back from the COVID-19
5: list. Look, I said it yesterday, and I'm staying exactly with that thought that because this season is such a jumble, meaning that you look at what we're dealing with, right? I don't think I really have to explain it as far as it being unique. Let's do this. Like, let's go with the youth movement. Yesterday, I talked about Dexter Fowler being a roadblock in the outfield. Well, I still feel the same way today, and I feel more so ever now that Dylan Carlson, is up in the major leagues. Like, I think Dexter Fowler should be the extra guy who they spot in to give these young guys a break. And yeah, let's go with the youth movement. Can you imagine if the Cardinals can uncover a couple of gems with these youth players right now? imagine that? What does their three, four years from now look like rather than sticking with some aging veterans who they just want to fill the hole with, right? Yep. No, you got young guys who can play. All of a sudden, your window to be good, to be championship ready is a lot bigger because you got young guys that could play in the bigs and got that time. Now, not everybody works out. I get it. Not everybody works out. But you're going to find out right now. And I think that it's a great opportunity for John Mosaylock to finally go with, I won't call it a rebuild, we'll call it a reset with all the youth and see what he's got.
4: Ferrario, I feel like you'll have something on this guy for me. What do you think of this John Nagowski? I feel like he could be a real energy giver. Over the next week or two, you you've always got so, Ronel Ravello was, yeah, was your guy. Yeah, the Austin Dean was your guy. Yeah, I feel like John Austin Mid- Nagowski. Dean was not my guy. Millsy was Millsy's my guy. Millsy's guy. Yeah, Brad Miller's different different category entirely. I feel like John Nagowski has Alex Ferrari. Yeah, you're wrong. I, I actually honestly don't know much about him. I know he's played a lot
6: in Springfield, a little in Memphis. You know, first baseman. I think he's got a little power to him, but it's nothing. Ravella was one that stuck out to me because he was a guy like that, uh, like O'Neal in Memphis. He was crushing the ball, and when he had the opportunity to be up with the Cardinals, he'd hit a home run every once in a while. But Nagowski, from what I understand, a solid defensive first baseman. I think he's a utility guy, can play the outfield. But I think, I, from what I understand, it's nothing special to write home
4: about. I don't know. He's been hitting 300. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds pretty good to Down me. Down in the satellite camp. Down in all of these places that he's been. He's oh. a 27-year-old. Going to be making his debut. So he's a little bit of a what we would call a late bloomer, Uh I suppose. Yeah. Um Here's what I would say about all of these guys. I was listening to an interview with John Morosi yesterday. It was on uh, up in Chicago and he was talking about how difficult it's been for some teams to really have the same energy that they would typically draw from the crowd. The crowd gives you energy on any given day, right? You're playing a, a day night doubleheader, for instance, like the Cardinals will be gets tiring and you get to a place where you're like, man, this just sucks. Like, this is rough being out here right now. Certain teams have guys on the roster, though, that are just energy givers. Yep. Jamie Rivers, (laughs) energy giver, right? He got a few jobs just because I was good in the locker room. And that's where they left you. I'll be very interested to see if any of these young guys can be that for the Cardinals. Can they be that guy that gets up to the big leagues and just brings that energy? Or is it just as simple as the Cardinals feel like they have a second lease on life? because of what has taken place over the last two and a half weeks. Do they come back with a renewed energy, a renewed excitement to get back out onto the field because they know none of this was promised to them anymore? It could have kept on going where they had another positive test pop up and pop up. There was talk of, not within Major League Baseball, but amongst fans, do they just cancel the season? They need to come out there with that energy, with that excitement, with that youthful exuberance, the same way that we've seen from the Marlins. Let that carry you for a little while. It will run out eventually, but then you get back your guys. Yachty's back in the lineup. Young's back in the lineup, and then maybe you stay afloat right now while you're going up against some pretty difficult teams, some pretty difficult competition. Use that right now to keep you afloat, and then later on, maybe your talent can continue carrying you, and you can still get to the postseason despite... All of the hurdles that remain to get to that point.
5: See, I don't think it's just going to be the young guys. And let me explain when a player is injured and the team continues to play, it's really hard for that player to watch. And you're itching so bad to get back to practice, to get back in the lineup, to play some games. So that when you finally come off the injured list, Like, you're hyper, you're excited, you're jacked to be back in the lineup. Well, this is kind of like that for every Cardinals player right now because the league, it's continued to play. And the Cardinals have been forced to watch all this go on. So, yeah, the young guys are going to be excited naturally. But even the veteran guys, like, they're starving to play the game. And they're watching the Cubs, the White Sox, the Indians, whoever. They just keep plowing away. So now it's going to feel like the Cardinals come off of the injured list and they're inserted back in the lineup they should have a good influx of in, uh, energy for the next four or five games for sure the double headers will suck some of that yeah. life out of them uh but i still think they're going to come out pretty intense
4: tomorrow is when it fingers crossed all begins once again for the cardinals wayno in game one bullpen game in game two of the double header Hudson expected to start for the Cardinals on Sunday. They haven't announced their starting pitchers beyond that. I wouldn't expect too much from your starters. Think of these as openers and eventually they will get back to having that depth in their starting rotation. It's 11-12, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll talk more about Dylan Carlson coming up at eleven thirty. Jim Callis of MLB.com will join us. But coming up next, I heard Joey Vitale say something interesting about what needs to take place for the Blues tonight. We'll get into that. Plus, is this a must-win game for the
2: St. Louis Blues? It's all coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
6: We will not continue. They will not continue. I don't care what people say, unless they get this top line going. You can be physical all you want. You can get in the kitchen of Quinn Hughes. You can destroy all you want. But unless your top line really starts going consistently and scoring consistently, you're never going to have that. And, and it's a bad feeling on the bench because as third and fourth liners, even some degree, you're looking at it like we're doing our part. We're being physical. We're shutting down defensively. We're shutting down the boat or that line. We're doing our part, but we're looking we're looking at the scoreboard and we're still zero zero, or we're down zero to one.
4: It's- Tonight, a must win game for the Blues. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Check out the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101ESPN app as well. We'll get to that here in just a moment, but I want to first start with what Joey Vitale said earlier today on character and smallman. If you missed that interview, 101ESPN.com is the place where you can find it. That top line is critical. We knew that that's not any breaking news to anybody. But last year, I went through it, Jamie and in the postseason, Schwartz, 12 goals, Shin, five goals, Tarasenko, 11 goals. Well, those are your game changers right there. That's where you're getting your point production from is that top line. Now, that's not to diminish what you're getting from the second through the fourth lines. They're obviously hugely important to what the Blues want to accomplish. But the scoreboard is ultimately what matters at the end of the night. And the points are coming from that top line. So far, in this round robin, plus what we saw in the first game, one goal combined for Schwartz, Shin, and Tarasenko. That's what has to change tonight. Those guys have to get on the board, and I know it's easier said than done for me to come on here and say, well, you need goals from those guys. Yes, but it is sometimes that simple. But, Jamie, in your opinion, what needs to change for that to happen? Like, what needs to happen for this top line to not just look like they got quality chances the way they did in game one, but to now convert those chances into goals and putting points on the board?
5: Well, look, first of all, I didn't think I didn't think game one was all that bad. I thought that Schwartz uh, had a lot of jump. I thought Shen had a lot of jump. Vladdy, to me, looked like he was a little off balance. It, he did not look comfortable in that game. And Vladdy's got to get a lot more scoring chances. And, and to me right now, Vladdy's got to get the puck off quicker because his line mates are getting him the opportunities and he's, you know, double clutching or looking for the perfect shot. Vladdy Tarasenko is at his best when the puck is on his stick, off his stick, and it usually finds its way into the back of the net. So I think that that line overall, they were fine in game one. I think they will be fine throughout, but again, I'm going to go back deeper into the lineup is these guys are getting more tired throughout the game because you're not getting the minutes from your fourth line. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's a fact. How much jump do you think Braden Shen has in his legs halfway through the third when he's playing way more than he should be because your fourth line can't relieve some of that pressure for you? Vlady Tarasenko, same thing. Jaden Schwartz, same thing. These guys all play special teams. Whether it's penalty kill, power play, or just power play, they all play in those situations. Therefore, when it's five on five... The fourth line, the third line, they need to contribute. They need to wear down some of these teams so that when your first and second line get out there, they have the jump and they have the ability to not just create some chances but create some space between the defenders and then get really legit chances to score goals. So for me, that's how the trickle-down goes. So again, tonight, I think that the Blues need really good performance from their depth.
6: Yeah, fatigue is 100% the factor there, especially when you're going through penalty kills like like you are, but if you want to get that top line going and Pat Maroon said this about uh, the Tampa game against Columbus and I think it it compares a lot to what the Blues are doing with Vancouver the goaltender, Markstrom, if he sees it, he's going to stop it. I mean, he is – and that's what the scouts say for Vancouver. It's what the analysts say for Vancouver to stop it. So what Pat Maroon said about Columbus with Corpus Allo is we got to put bodies in front. If that top line wants to score, somebody's going to have to go to the front of the net. I mean, you got two bulldogs that fight for that puck like Schwartz and Shen. Last year, the difference was Tarasenko was willing to go to the front of the net. Shen will go to the front of the net. Schwartz will go to the front of the net. Somebody has to take that responsibility, though, and take the eyes off of Markstrom because the shots from the faceoff dot, the shots from the outside, Markstrom will stop those. I mean, look at the goals that beat him. The Perron shot was because there were two bodies in front. Mm -hmm. The Schwartz goal was a breakaway, but still, you got to take the eyes away from Markstrom if you're going to beat him. And that's an interesting point, too. And
5: I will say this, in watching the game and going through some of the chances and looking at the shot charts— The Blues did not gain the middle of the ice enough Mm -hmm. in game one. There was not enough middle lane penetration to the net. And that goes back to your point about getting guys in front. Well, if you're penetrating through the middle, you're automatically ending up at the net, Mm -hmm. which puts you right in front. So then if the puck is on the outside you get it to the net, you actually have a middle presence there that's able to capitalize on it. If the puck finds its way back through the middle, you have an automatic screen. And also what you got to remember is it pulls a defender back. If you look at the goal, what, the other night, the last round-robin goal where Tyler Bozak does a middle-lane drive right through, well, guess what? You either have to take him as a defender, and it exposes the third guy high for an easy shot, which was a goal the other night, or you let Tyler Bozak go, he ends up in front of the net, you put a puck to the net, now you have another scoring opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the middle of the ice tonight for the St. Louis Blues is going to be critical.
4: 65780 is the air comfort service text line. I asked you at the beginning of this, is tonight a must win game for the Blues from the 618? Of course it's a must win game. You don't want to have to play two games away down 0 2. Here's why 13% of teams that go down 0 2 in the NHL postseason come back to win the series 13 percent it can happen it has happened Mm -hmm. it's just improbable it's unlikely to happen and it seems to me like right now with this blues team they just need something positive to go their way I heard Craig Berube talking about this yesterday and Jamie he said after the blues went down three to two when they when when the Canucks scored that third goal to go up He felt like the life came out of the Blues. The energy came out of the Blues. And you could see that the rest of the third period. That's the problem. Last year, whenever things would go wrong for the Blues, we saw this with the hand pass or whatever would take place. Anytime there was adversity, they respond to it. And it was almost like it gave them more life. In game one... They responded to adversity with the life getting sucked out of them. And so I'd like to see them get off to a hot start tonight. And they did a little bit in game one. Get off to a hot start. Maybe that first line is able to give you a little bit something on the board. And now suddenly you feel like you're rolling a little bit. Going down 0-2 in this series, and this is why I do think tonight is a true must-win game for the Blues... Going down 0-2 almost feels like a hole that I'm not sure this team at this time can dig out of.
5: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Look, going going down two games is not the end of the world. So I personally don't feel like it's a must win as far as winning the series. But I do think you need to treat it like it's a must win meaning that these guys have to have that intensity. Craig Berube, maybe not a bad idea to tell your team, hey, we need this win. Even though you know you don't really, you got to treat it that way. And you know what we're seeing out of the Blues? We're seeing some some, some uh, human element yep. out of this, right? Where last year they didn't seem human because anything that bad happened, they were like, oh, that's great. Like they thrived in chaos. And this year I think that with the pause that they had to go through, the training camp how crazy that was they had a couple of guys who were unfit to play as we'll call it <laughs> and then moving forward around robin was not successful for them so yeah the other night they're human they put they put up that third goal and poof, oh, you're human you're deflated you're like man we worked so hard tonight we thought we had this and dang you know But they got to notice that. Craig Berube obviously identified it and talked about it. If he did that, I guarantee you the message in the locker room right now is, hey, guys, we can't do that. We've worked too hard. Last two seasons, we've been together as a group. We do not get deflated. We thrive in this environment.
6: I remember asking Shen last year after they lost those back-to-back games against the Winnipeg Jets, and one of those games was when Patrick Line went off on the Blues. And I asked Shen, I said, is this one a must-win going into Winnipeg? Because, you know, then, then you're down elimination, you come home or you haven't been that great. And he said, I'm not thinking must-win until we have the threat of going home. And I think that's the mindset, but I also think it's, it's nails on the head there, Ribs. But Ruby's going to tell these guys, look, you need to tie this series up because if you don't, then Vancouver's going to get another gear because they know they have the Stanley Cup champs down two to nothing. And I don't know if you can match that gear that Vancouver can throw out there. I will say this. I felt like the Blues lost that energy that Ruby was talking about because they didn't get that one save. And I'm not blaming yeah. Bennington for the game. Oh, no, I'm hearing that you are. Oh, well, that's well, he doesn't care either way. <laughs> but look, that's, that's your goal. Bennington looked frustrated for with himself when that one squirted through. You mentioned through. that yesterday. Yeah, but the players did too, and if you go to that Boston Bruins game seven, and I heard Joey tell Randy Carricker and Michelle Smallman this this morning, you know, the Blues weren't the best team in that first period. Oh, no. Boston just killed them, but Bennington made those saves, so the players were like, okay, we're still in this, we're still in this, we're still in this. That Stetcher goal because Vancouver scores, then the Blues score, Vancouver. The fatigue was like, oh my God, we got to do this again. Heads dip, so Those are the moments, I think, that you absolutely need your goaltender to make that highlight reel safe.
5: And one thing, too, not to overlook here, okay? And why, as we talk more about this, more pops into my head, it's a must-win because it'll make it five in a row if you lose. Like, the Blues are yet to win a game. So if I'm Craig Berube, I'm going, we don't know what it feels like yet to win a game out of the pause. We absolutely need to get back into that winning mentality.
4: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618 and I know you min- you mentioned this as well Ferrario. Winnipeg last year Blue started 0-2. Why is it different this year? This is not the same situation. Like you said, they're 0-4 so far. The Blues have not won. Really 0-5 because there was also that exhibition but yeah, obviously true. an exhibition. True. They have not won since they returned back to the ice in Edmonton. Last year they were the hottest team in hockey whenever they got into the postseason, playing with as much confidence as anybody possibly could. So they get down 0-2 against Winnipeg, and they still felt and believed, we got this, we're good, we're golden here. This team doesn't have that same feel right now, and the personnel is just different. You don't have Sammy Blay. you might not have Alex Dean, you're without Barbashev, you don't have those four lines that you can roll out there. So I do feel like right now you need to steal this one tonight. I think this is if there is such thing as a must win in a game two of any series. I feel that way about this game tonight, because if the Blues don't get this one, it just feels like they almost are going to have that mentality of, oh, no, it's happening again.
5: Yeah, I think they're strong enough mentally to get through that. But you make some great points. And as you're listing the guys that they don't have, guess who else they don't have, guys? Jay Bowmeister, mm-hmm. okay, I think it's time we discuss that a little bit. He was by far one of the best penalty killers that the Blues had on their decor, and they're missing that right now. Yes, Marco Scandella is, is great. He's fit in fantastic and all these things, but you've still lost Jay Bowmeister, who was a veteran guy that was able to calm things down. He was a quiet guy, but his play calmed the guys down. He made exceptional defensive plays with his stick being in the passing lanes, disrupting down low. So, yeah, you're missing that guy, too. Now, I understand he will not be back. Yes, I get it. But let's remember then somebody has to step up then and fill those shoes and become close to what Jay Bolmeister was on that penalty kill.
6: Yeah, that's what they need Marco Scandella for. And look, Scandella's not Bo at, by far, but he looked like a comparison of Bo Meester in those eight games where he was traded for, and they win on an eight-game win streak. They need him to... and. They, they need him to hit another gear with Pareko out there and he was penalty kill he was some five on five getting some shots but he's not Bowmeister but you
4: need him to be damn close to Bowmeister if you want to have success Blues versus Canucks game number two tonight Blues versus Canucks pregame with Alex Ferrario at 430 puck drop at 530 it's all right here on 101 ESPN coming up next my guy Dylan Carlson is finally up in the big leagues Jim Callis is a senior writer for MLB pipeline he writes about all of the prospects what what should we expect when carlson hits the bigs we'll
2: ask jim callis coming up next on 101 ESPN we're back to the ribs and bk podcast on 101 ESPN
4: Alongside former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jim Callis writes about prospects for MLB Pipeline on MLB.com, and he's about as good as it comes when it comes to breaking down these guys, so I knew exactly who to call. When the Cardinals announced yesterday that Dylan Carlson is going to make his way up to the big leagues. Jim Callis joining us now on 101 ESPN. Jim, thanks so much for the time today. Let's start with this. What should Cardinals fans expect as they get to see their first taste of Dylan Carlson in the big leagues?
7: Well, uh, they should be excited. I mean, I, I guess it's a little unclear as to how much he's going to play right off the bat because this isn't a normal year. So the old "Hey, you don't call guys up to sit on the bench" doesn't apply when the alternative is alternative camp. But no, he's—I mean—he's a very, very well-rounded player. I think he can play anywhere in the outfield that they would need him to. Uh, you know, it's—it's it's not a question of oh, this guy's only a left fielder, so we have to jam him in there. And I mean, he's—he's he's got solid or better tools across the board. You know, very young guy, only 21, great year last. Last year 2020 guy in the minors I think his I, you know I, this is a good thing. I go back and forth. Is he a better hitter, or is he a better power hitter? I mean he's really both, and he's got solid speed and a solid arm. I think he's a plus defender on the corners. you know he's probably not as good as Harrison Bader defensively in center, but he's definitely a better hitter so I mean what I like about him is you know granted, he's a rookie, they don't always you know you know star from day one, but you could really plug him into whatever role you wanted in the outfield and and he could handle it he He's a very, very good player, one of the best prospects in baseball,
5: yeah. I- I wanted to go back to the the offensive side here just for a second. And, look, it's no secret that last year the Cardinals were eliminated based upon the fact that they didn't have enough offense. So far this season, although it's a sample size, everybody, again, talking about the offense being an issue, how much could Dylan Carlson possibly help the St. Louis Cardinals by plopping him into that batting order at the five or six spot in order to generate some more offense?
7: Uh, I mean, he could help a lot. I mean, our question, I mean, we don't really know the answer to this is, you know what's the lineup going to look like when the Cardinals get back on the field this weekend? Because it's it's been so long, and I mean, you guys probably have a little bit better idea than I do. But I don't know if anybody knows for sure who's available and who's 100. percent No, I mean, you know, I, I think if you put them, you know, in, in their lineup. And again, I mean, you never know how a rookie's going to come in. You know, they usually aren't going to, you know, be, you know, you know, you know, at peak form right away. And especially this year, it's not like he was seeing any game action. They were kind of trying to simulate some stuff in alternative camp. But I mean, he's a very talented guy. I mean, I think. He He's... You know, going to be. I mean, he has the upside to be one of the better hitters on the team, one of the faster runners, and one of the best power hitters on the team. And and given that their lineup is going to, you know, again, we don't know what it's going to be exactly, but like, obviously, going to have some holes in it. I mean, he could he could play a big role.
4: We're talking with Jim Callis. He's a senior writer for MLB Pipeline on MLB.com. I always like asking this question, Jim, because I think it kind of puts a puts into perspective what kind of a player somebody can become for our audience that hasn't seen him before do you have a comparison maybe not in terms of like what what he's going to be right away but what kind of a player dylan carlson can be when he reaches his peak
7: Mm, you know it's funny because like there's some guys who get comps left and right and other guys who don't and i don't know if i've heard like a great Com for Dylan Carlson, I, I guess you know, I, you know, from a statistical standpoint, I, I'd probably project him, you know, as like a twenty, you know, like I said, you know, like a, a twenty-five, twenty-five guy who can play all three outfield positions. Um, you know, he's he just he's just a very, very good player.
4: We're talking with Jim Callis of MLB dot com. Jim, whenever he does get up right away, what should we be looking for to know if he is adjusting well to the major leagues? What's the thing that you as a as a prospects writer, you, you watch these guys whenever they reach the bigs and you say, ah, not sure it's going to come come for him right away, but maybe eventually. What What should we be looking for early?
7: Yeah, I think two things you look at, you know, with any young player, you know, especially when they first get to the big leagues, is one, you know, how well is he controlling the strike zone? You know, I think he's had roughly, you know, two to one strikeout to walk ratio in the minors. You know, he's not, you know, he, he's not a chaser, but it's not like, you know, he's not the most disciplined guy uh, in the world either. Um, you know, so I think if he could kind of maintain that, then you know, he's not trying to do too much. He, he's not getting fooled too much by big league pitching. You know, if you see it more extreme than that, then I. think think you wonder, okay, you know is he going to contribute right away and then I think the other thing is is you know how much is he driving the ball in the air i mean it 's crazy all the stats we can look at these days, but I would look at you know things like you know, line drive and fly ball percentage he kind of made the leap as a prospect last year when he started driving the ball more in the air, and that's you know that would be the other thing i 'd look at you know what kind of contact is he making in the big leagues if he 's hitting a lot more uh, ground balls uh, than than he has in the past, or that you, you want to see a guy again. That would indicate to me, okay, he's got some adjustments to make. So th- those would probably be the two things: the you know to walk ratio, and you know the the quality of the contact he's making.
5: Jim, I want to dive into some of the other guys who might, who possibly could be making their major league debuts. And you know, you got a guy like John Nagowski who is uh, not your typical rookie. He's going to get his first chance to play major league baseball. We got Ricardo Sanchez, Rob Kaminsky. Out of these guys that also have joined Dylan Carlson on this recall, what can we expect from them? And is there anybody that could be that, you know, that diamond in the rough that uh, ends up coming up and doing real good things?
7: I you know, the, the, the guy I'll admit I'm really rooting for is John Nagowski. I mean, this is a guy who's kind of bounced around the minors. Um, he was, you know, in the Arizona Fall League briefly, I think it was three years ago. Never been considered a, a top prospect. You know, he's put up numbers in AAA, not big power numbers. Um, you know, but, you know, he's one of these guys. You know, he's, he's more of a, a hit than a power guy. But he, he's really interesting to me. And I will admit, I, I knew his dad from when I used to cover college baseball. His dad worked for the Florida State for the paper in Tallahassee. So, so it's uh, I'm thrilled to see him get a chance. You know, Kaminsky's a guy who was a former high draft pick, uh, first round pick back in the day. Um, you know, his big tool is a curveball. Uh, it's always been kind of his best pitch. You know, I think he's more of a reliever. You know, Sanchez was a Kind of ballyhooed international signing out of Venezuela, Venezuela, not Valenzuela, <laughs> out of Venezuela a few years back. And he, you know, he'd throw a fastball up to 94, 95 miles an hour. And he's got, you know, pretty good curveball at times, too. I think they're more kind of depth arms. And, you know, Nagowski's probably a, a, a bad off the bench. But, you know, it's kind of cool to see guys getting an opportunity. You know, I wish the circumstances were a little bit but different, but it's, it's still pretty cool.
2: He is
4: Jim Callis. You can find his work MLB.com, where he's a senior writer for MLB Pipeline. Always follow him on Twitter, at Jim Callis MLB. Jim, we really appreciate the time today. We look forward to talking with you again soon, and hopefully we get to see some uh, success from Dylan Carlson here in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, it should be fun to watch him. Enjoy him, guys. You got it. That's Jim Callis joining us here on 101 ESPN. So I looked up some guys that have had 25-plus homer, 25-plus stolen bases in recent years. I will tell you this. In the last 20 years, it hasn't happened for the Cardinals. So Jim Callis just told you Dylan Carlson has the potential to do something that no Cardinals player has done in the last 20 years. Who was the last guy to do? Was it Lankford? I'll have to look that up. I've, I just looked I mean, in the last 20 I mean, that would just be a guess, so. of course. I would. Im- I think Langford did it, so I would imagine that he's at least maybe on not the, the list. last guy, but yeah, I'll have to check that out here in just a minute. But it, it's it's something rare to see. Yeah, Langford's the only guy to do it in the last forty years for the cardinals. Oh, there you go. So. Uh, this is something that one, something huh? that,
5: that one out, didn't I BK impressive baseball
4: guy <laughs> Jamie Rivers maybe that's the comp form maybe maybe Ray Langford is the comp for Dylan Carlson we
5: talked to somebody else a while ago I forget who uh, certainly we've talked about Dylan Carlson a lot and, and we asked that question your question a, a comp guy for Dylan Carlson and Ray Langford's name came up and we kind of dismissed it a little bit because Ray Langford I guess what 30 or 40 stolen bases mm-hmm. in a season so we kind of dismissed it well maybe maybe he doesn't have that kind of speed but maybe overall the the, the whole game encompassed all the talents maybe he is like
4: ray langford i mean that's a hell of a player that you know, that'll if, work if you can have that guy that's that's a two-hole hitter like a legitimate two-hole hitter. i really like the comp who was it
6: that said andre ethier yeah that i mean that one we stuck never remember well, who
5: says what the, we well should...
6: that but ribs also doesn't know who the hell andre ethier <laughs> is so but ethier with the dodgers is it, from quebec <laughs> That the prime time, though, Ethier and Kemp were a one-two punch for the Dodgers where you were seeing 25-30 home runs for those guys. I really like that comp for a team that could have a new two-hole hitter.
4: And this is why I wanted to see him up is because let's find out. Let's find out how quickly he can do this because we know this. The speed's going to translate. We saw it right away with Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader got up to the bigs, and it was immediate. You could feel the energy that he brought to the team because of his speed and because of his defense. Well,
5: heck, he got even more of a look immediately, right, because he was so fast. We were like, wait wait a minute, what do we got here? And so
4: if you've got a guy that can steal 25 bags, I mean, that means that he, he's going to help produce some runs based on what he's doing on the base path. So if he's able to hit... 270, 280, give you decent power, and everybody seems to suggest 20 to 25-plus homer power is there for Dylan Carlson. This is a guy that's a cornerstone. It's a cornerstone of your franchise moving forward. And now you've got him for the next six plus years, at least under club control. This is why I wanted to see him so badly. So I'm I'm happy to find out that finally we're going to be able to do exactly that.
5: How bad do you think it'll be if uh, Dylan Carlson doesn't play once for VK?
6: I just I was thinking (laughs) I was thinking Carlson will be a great cornerstone until Austin Dean's healthy. Can
5: you imagine if they bring him up for like three weeks? He doesn't play. They send him
6: back down. And then Dean gets healthy and then jumps back
4: in and Carlson's back to the the satellite squad. You will not you will not steal this moment from me. You you will not bring me down on this day. By the way, six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line from the six one eight. The Cardinals traded that potential twenty five twenty five guy in Tommy Pham a few years ago. Good point. Tommy pham has been very close a few times. He hasn't quite got there in terms of the homers, but his uh, his career high was twenty three homers. He was close. Hey, and he's been stabbed. He's got that going for That's him. That's a big. That is still one of my all-time favorite post-game <laughs> quotes. It's
5: just the greatest random piece of information ever. When he said that, I was like.
4: What did he just say? Did he hear the question properly? <laughs> did he just say he was <laughs> stabbed? Yes, yes, he did. That's Tommy Pham for you. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. Questions and answers is coming up next. And we got to talk about Jamie's favorite baseball player of all time. That's all next on 101 ESPN. We're
2: back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: The Cardinals are going to play a lot of games. I've got a scheduling update in front of me, Jamie, and it says exactly when the Cardinals are going to play which teams. I can't go through all of these because (laughs) our audience will just be like, wait, what? They're playing who when? You get lost quickly. Just know this. They're going to be playing a lot of doubleheaders, a lot of games. They've got rescheduled games that have now been. Scheduled officially against the Cubs, Pirates Twins and then another more games That still need to be rescheduled Against the Tigers There's a lot of them coming up How many games are they behind the pace right now? Like
6: 10-ish Okay, They play 10 10 games in Chicago against the Cubs The Cubs play 0 games in St. Louis what is that real it's the rescheduled Setup why Derek cool. Just put that out Why are they doing that because they had to cancel the ones That were in St. Louis are postponed So you couldn't so you got to play the double here? headers
4: so You got to do the double
6: headers.
5: Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Okay, well, well
4: you're there. You might as Well play them <laughs> The Cardinals have played five games in three Weeks. They have played zero games in The last 17 days. They are scheduled to Play eight games in the next five days
6: <laughs> Nice. It's gonna be wild man It's going to be crazy. Try to keep track at
4: home with your scorecards. We'll see who loves baseball on that team. You ain't lying. 65780 is Air Comfort service text line for questions and answers from the 270. Guys, exactly what kind of a start do you expect from the Blues tonight after the dud of the third period on Wednesday?
5: Well, I expect similar to what we saw in game one. I thought game one, they came out guns blazing. I really did. I thought they came out, they were hitting, they had pucks in deep, they were getting opportunities to score some goals. The energy looked good. So for me, I'm expecting that again. Now, I guess the catch to it is I want them to continue that speed, that volume of pressure throughout the first, a second, and the third. And again, I'm anxious to see who slots in on that fourth line and what difference they can make and what can they add to this team. Because right now the top guys are looking at them and go, guys, we need you.
6: We need you. And so for me, though, I'm looking for a big start. I'm expecting a lot of body checks and less stick checks. Uh, especially Please. the discipline. <laughs> Craig Berube said that yesterday. Like, we got to get back to playing the way we used to, where we're not taking penalty after penalty. So like you say, Ribs, rather than try and beat him with a stick, you're going to use the body on him. You're going to see a lot more hits. Berube made him practice a four check yesterday without sticks. <laughs> really? Goes no, that's not true. I just made that up, but they should have. Wouldn't surprise. Hell, I've seen guys
4: practice with the sticks flipped over. So, Jamie said that so convincingly, I couldn't have bought it more hook line and sinker than I did. You know what? It has happened before.
5: An old coach of mine, Jimmy Roberts, who's, you know, up above us now looking down. He was amazing, and he made us practice the forecheck without sticks because he's like, you don't hook guys, you put them through the boards. I could just laugh and thinking Craig Ruby would do the same.
4: I wish I could have been a fly on the wall to see some of those practices with Jimmy Roberts. Oh my God! Because your your stories with him are just tremendous. One day, one day we'll do a podcast,
5: just one podcast of it, and it'll be Jimmy Roberts' stories because he's worth the he's worth the listen. I'll tell you that much.
4: Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Guys, do you at this point believe that the Blues are going to win this series? Yeah,
5: hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not rattled at all I was ticked off The other night Just because of the way It ended um, But I'm not worried We all said Blues in six And yeah. I'm not changing that And Blues are going to be A tough team to beat Four games like, They're going to get Barbashev back too You're going to get Barbie back Hopefully you're getting Steiner back Heck you might get them All back at the same time Well
6: he skated yesterday You might get him back yeah, Tomorrow or did tonight
5: skate. he did skate He looked pretty good It mm-hmm. wasn't a long skate But Is uh, this
4: part real Or are you
6: faking it No this it is, out is
5: actually real <laughs> This is how I he keep He skated people. without his skates on though. <laughs> This is how I keep you on your toes BK uh, No he, he for all intents and purposes Looked like he had a pretty good skate So will he be in tonight uh, to be determined But it looks like he could be back sooner than later it Would be nice
4: I think the one Place that I'm wavering on Is how many games because I picked him in six You're right Ferrario I might say seven Now it might have to go the full distance I'm sticking with six Winning four of the next five Is going to be tough all right, but I, I might go seven, but that winning would be the that, the only thing that I would potentially wait winning the Stanley Cup was tough being the okay. last place team in the NHL <laughs> Putting that on me now, huh? I mean, you kind of brought that on yourself Actually, touche <laughs> touche <Touché. laughs> Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers from the three one four Jamie Ferrario BK. Who do you guys expect to be on the fourth line tonight?
5: Wow, it's uh, a tough one. You don't have a lot of options, right? Like, so that's the thing is. Well, you kind of have a lot of options. I don't know how many options you love that you have. Okay, well, you don't have any real options. Okay, uh, to me, it's going to be a lot inter- of names. It's, it's going to be interesting to see who Craig Berube puts on the third line more so than the fourth line because i think it's going to be a process of elimination if he tries to build up that third line because robert thomas cannot be a helicopter anymore out there with no wings you know what i mean he's got to have something to play with so if that's the case if they go that route then i think some of the guys who are on that third line will drop to the fourth line creating an identity immediately for that fourth line so I, I don't know if I see a lot of roster changes. I do think that there is a possibility, if if everything stays the same, that Jordan Kyrou could find his way into the lineup, uh, slotted on the right wing with with Robert Thomas.
6: This is this is going out on a limb here. I, I think you're going to see Steen, De La Rose, and and I say that because. Barubi said yesterday that he actually thought the fourth line played well. He just got to the point where he had to go to three lines because the they were down. Do you buy that? I don't buy that, but I'm, I'm going by what the coach says. And McKechnie would to me was the odd one out because he took a, a, a frustrating penalty. Uh, that was a crap penalty. It was a though. crap penalty. He, he's sitting penalty, there, yes. the
5: guy goes to jump over, his stick gets caught, and I'm like, I, I would, I don't blame him for
6: that. No, I don't either, but I'm just. I don't know if McEachern has done anything to impress. The part that catches me is I don't know what the mindset was with De La Rose. The only thing I can think of is you didn't have a center. And you don't have a center. Yeah, but you had Sonny that you put on left wing. But, but, him. but aren't you going
5: to keep him on left wing? Well, not really. He's better as a centerman. He's great in the, in the circle, and he's yeah. fantastic down low in the defensive zone. I don't so know. I just don't, interesting choices. Again, these are choices that he's forced to make right. because of Blaise, Dean, and Barbashev. Mm-hmm. Do we...
6: Do we think Brower's back out there again tonight? Um, he played a good game, but man, the, the speed, is, speed a, is an element. And that's
5: where I found even De La Rose was a little behind. That's why Mackenzie McEachern, to me, is still, you know, still an option because he's one of the fastest guys the Blues have, and he's also very physical. So you're going to have to deal with the speed of the Vancouver Canucks. Um I, I love Troy Brower, love the way he plays, everything he brings to the table. I do think that he could find uh, his way out of the lineup just because they're trying to go with some fresher legs.
6: I, I agree, but part of me feels like they'll want him in there because he was the one that was standing up to guys like Roussel after the whistles. Oh, yeah. He was the one that was – It was. he brought the physical aspect, which he told us on the show. You know that you have to bring that when you're the player in his position, so – I would say Brouwer over McEachern, but honestly it's a it's a crapshoot right now. You don't know with this.
4: Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line. Guys, better chance to play tonight. Steen or Blay?
5: Uh Sammy Blay. Better yeah. chance to play tonight than Alexander Steen. I,
4: I'd agree with that. If Steen doesn't play, man, that PK. They're going to yeah. need to have some guys that step up. They got to have they got to look
5: at they're two they're wide open right now. The first goal by Bo Horvat. Uh, yes, the Blues duplicated that play with David Perron. But that's the backside forwards job to come down and apply pressure. You're forcing the team then to make an incredible pass from one side of the ice through three guys to the other side, because that's who you're leaving open, because you're taking away the middle option. Tyler Bozak was just a little late to the dance on that one and Bo, Bo Horvat was able to get it and get it off quickly so you're going to have to play a lot tighter you have to shrink that defensive scheme just a little bit and rely on Jordan Bennington to come up with those saves from a long distance
6: and then clear the rebound and you are going to rely heavily on your face offs if you can beat them in the face off battle like you did on, on Wednesday that's going to help your penalty kill tremendously to get that first win
4: 65780 is There, comfort service text line final question for questions and answers this one comes from the 618. Jamie Ferrario, can you tell these donkeys in the Blues fan base that Falk has actually been doing pretty well (laughs) since they've returned to play?
5: Uh, You know what? He has been okay since return to play. Uh, Listen, the, the biggest thing that Justin Falk has going against him is this that people actually believe he's brought in to replace Alex right. Petrangelo. Yep. And the contract he got. So those two things right there, It's those are the number one things we heard of forever with Patrick Berglund. Remember? If, well, look at the money he's making. And this guy, look at the money he's making. Jay Bolmeister a couple of years ago. Jory Latera. Everybody was on their way out because they make too much money. It's not the player's fault he got a good contractor, right? He has got a good agent, and the market was kind of set for a guy like that. He's been... He's been solid. The problem I have with Justin Falk is that once a period, something goes wrong. And right now, those are ending up to being really good scoring chances, or they're going in the back of the net, or... There's penalties that are taken because of those plays. Then, subsequently, the puck ends up in the back of the net because the other team has a good power
6: play. I remember fondly of the few years where Bowmeister, everything felt like it went wrong when Bowmeister was on the ice, and people blamed Bowmeister. Like, get this guy off the ice, then he was your best defenseman. Falk is by no means going to be your best defenseman, but stop looking at him as a number one D man. Look at him as a complementary piece to one of the best defensive cores in the NHL. That's the way I view
4: it. And to me, he's for this team. That's Jamie Rivers. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, this pitching depth is about to get its biggest test to date and an unbelievable number on what's about to take place in baseball for the first time in
2: quite some time. We'll talk about that coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: scheduled to play two on Saturday against the White Sox. And we probably could have tried to get tomorrow night's game in, but from our medical staff's perspective, they thought getting one extra day, not gathering made the most sense. And so we had requested that we could push Friday's game to Saturday. They agreed. And um, you know, obviously we're still going to we test it today. We're still hopeful we come back negative. We anticipate that to be the case. And then, of course, we'll test uh, tomorrow and really we'll be on a sort of a daily testing regiment, um, at least for the first road trip.
4: I appreciate them taking the extra day this time around. (laughs) You think that was even a thought to not do it? Like, no chance. No chance. This comes from Joel Sherman of MLB Network. MLB is crossing its fingers. But at this very moment, Saturday would represent the first time that all 30 teams expect to play on the same day. Since July 26th, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken and I've got the dates correct, I think the 23rd or the 24th was opening day. So since two to three days after opening day, there has not been a single time when all 30 teams have been back on the field together on the same day.
5: Well, let's hope it stays that way. Right. Like uh, to me, we've had the Marlins outbreak. Now we've had you just said hope ribs. So. It's going to stay that way as we move forward. We've had the Marlins outbreak. We've had the Cardinals outbreak. You would think at this point that every other team is looking at this going, okay, well, if we don't have strong enough protocols, we need to implement them. And if we do have strong protocols, we need to make sure that we're <laughs> monitoring them and keeping these players you know, honest, so to say. But, yeah, I, I think if the teams can buckle it down – And stay to their whatever you want to call it their 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 own personal bubble, their team bubble. Then I think we can do this. Um, You know, I just it's a strange world, and you, you know when you have. NFL players sneaking in girls in football gear. (laughs) I'm I'm led to believe now that anything
4: can happen. It's going to be interesting and difficult because Major League Baseball is really committed, really committed to playing 60 games this year for the Cardinals. Based on the new revised schedule that they have now put out for the Cardinals, they're going to play 58 games. And then there's a day off at the end of the season, right after their 58th game, most teams 60th game. That they believe the Cardinals could play a doubleheader that next day If necessary to get them to the full 60 That would require in 44 days The Cardinals to play 55 games That's nothing That seems problematic (laughs) Simple It's
5: problematic with a regular roster Like Here's where I just wonder if Major League Baseball is going to accommodate them with like an expanded roster, which I know they do, but I mean like the real roster, so they can use all these players. Then maybe it's attainable. I
4: think the answer is no, based on the way that they're treating them I right know, now, right? And the, the way that they treated the Marlins as well. Uh, I get what baseball wants to do here. I just think it's a little risky. Like the the COVID nineteen side of the health effects aside. This feels risky from the on field health effects like we have seen in baseball this season, an abnormal number of pitcher injuries. We talked about this last week, I believe, about the number of pitchers that have gone down in the first 18 to 20 days of the season. It's crazy. It's the same as the same period over the last two years combined. And now you're talking about with the Cardinals having not pitched. For the last two plus weeks, having not had organized workouts for the last two plus weeks, they're going to come back and just be a-okay to not only play, but to play an average of 14 innings a day with these doubleheaders. They're going to have eight games in the next five days right after returning to the field. It just seems like a plan that is destined to fail to me that could have big long-term effects on the Cardinals roster in terms of the actual on-field injuries, much less what's taking place off the field right now.
5: I think it's going to really make it hard for the Cardinals to compete. I really do. And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. I'm just listening to what you're saying. And it's sinking in that, can you imagine, like, look at your pitchers, right? You have doubleheaders, 14 innings to cover. And that's assuming that those games don't go into extra innings. Because I believe that they they would, but they'd start the runner on second, correct? Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee that it ends quickly. You never know. But let's say you have one of those games go into extra innings, or in that short period of time you have one or two. How stressed out are these pitchers going to be physically? Like... I don't know how this works out. So, you know, John Mosaloc said it a while ago that, you know, maybe he's not as concerned about the result anymore as much as he's concerned about guys healthy and not being injured. Because can you imagine a Jack Flaherty who just gets pushed too hard too soon? Even though this guy is an absolute thoroughbred as far as a pitcher is concerned, he's still a human being. And you don't want him getting out there and causing damage to himself just because You're playing so many damn baseball games in such a short period of time, and ultimately, this is all going to fall back on Mike Schilt and his coaching staff on how they're going to regulate these players. My only concern is that with so much baseball in such a short period of time, that it's going to be very, very difficult to do it properly, and that's
4: where I get nervous. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line from the seven two zero. Why are you guys always so negative? They're playing baseball. Don't you want that? What are we negative about? I absolutely want them to play baseball. I just said I don't even care if they win. (laughs) I absolutely want them to play baseball. I would prefer Major League Baseball not bring them back and in the first week of them playing, have them play three double headers. Mm -hmm. That just seems dangerous, frankly. And I'm looking at their roster right now, Jamie. From the guys that they put out there on opening day, on the 20- or 30-man roster at that point, Two starters and four relievers will not be available to them this weekend. Is that good? That's crazy. No, it's not good, Alex. So if you're Mike <laughs> Schultz and you're looking at your roster for the second day game of the doubleheader and they have said now that they're going to go with a reliever game that day, it might be nine different pitchers getting an inning or seven different pitchers, I guess, for the doubleheader getting an inning that night. Well, what does that mean for them the next day? Well, How that, many yeah, of those guys are going to be available? The next
5: day, the day after, the two doubleheaders you got that lined up after that, and that's if, where it
4: gets like crazy. And if you're planning on seven pitchers getting an inning for that second game in the doubleheader, who's available for the first doubleheader after Waino? Because Waino might only be able to go two or three innings. So th- this is where things Tommy become... Edmund. Yeah. Watch this. I'm
5: telling Let's you. Let's do it. We we're going to find out where this guy really is a utility player.
4: Dagowski's going to come. <laughs> in. He's going to make a name for himself. Suddenly Rave- Ravello just pops Ravioli's up Austin on the bumps pitching suddenly. for
5: Ravello is going to be incredible. <laughs> so, hey, interesting text here. Uh, by the way, the air comfort service text line 65780. Um, you guys are figuring of course that the weather's always going to be perfect for these games? Yes. <laughs> And, and we're being negative. <laughs> That's a great point, though, from from the 618. That's a great point. You imagine you have a couple of thunderstorms that come through and they, they wipe out two games of that day. The double head of the schedule. Now what?
4: John Mosaylock talked yesterday about his expectations for the season and whether or not they have changed for him. Jamie, you mentioned this previously. I want to get your thoughts on the other side of this, but have your expectations changed for what the Cardinals are going to be moving forward? Here's John Mosey luck on that.
1: I don't think so. Um, We're two and three, you know, obviously it's a, when you look at our schedule or potentially what it looks like, it's daunting. It's, it's, everybody would agree. It's not going to be easy, but you know, if, if this team clicks, it's going to be very good. And, and so that's what we believe. So in terms of, Deciding today, just because it's daunting, we're going to wave the white flag, I think that wouldn't be the right answer. So um, we're going to approach this as if, as if, you know, candidly, we're getting a second chance. And now that we have a second chance at this season, we should make the most of it.
4: I totally understand his perspective because the Cardinals right now are tied with the Cubs for first place in the <laughs> division. <Indonesia. So laughs> it's, it's like it's Marlins not. 2.0. It's, it's crazy where we've arrived, but I I, I, I agree with your assessment, Jamie. I think it's going to be really tough for them until they get that first wave of players back. And right now, we don't know when they're expected to return, but we know it's not supposed to be while they're in Chicago. So it's it's probably going to be another week plus before guys like Paul DeYoung and Yadier Molina and Carlos Martinez are able to make their way uh-huh. back into this lineup for the Cardinals. And without those guys, it's going to be really hard to stay afloat. And when they do return back to the lineup, are they going to be ready to go are they going to be back into game shape are they going to be good with their timing there there are so many questions more questions than answers but at least now we do have the answer of when they're going to play again which is nice i just think the mlb is making a bit of a mistake with how often they're going to be playing in that first week back
5: yeah look i don't disagree with what uh, with what mo said he has to say that right you don't want to tell your fan base outright that we don't care about winning that's not the cardinal way you know, the Cardinal way is we care about winning, but we do have a certain budget we won't exceed, right? So I think that John Mosellock has a, a, an obligation to to talk like that. But here's where I get stuck on it is he he mentions, you know, we still have a really good team. Well, who's on your team right now? Because there are so many different pieces to the puzzle that I don't even know what the Cardinals team looks like You know, for their first game back.
6: It's funny you say that when we opened up the segment, I was sitting there and I tried to write through the bullpen names yeah, good without luck. Whitley and without Helsley. So these are the names that I wrote down. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I lost it. Andrew Miller, Giovanni Gallegos, John Gant, Tyler Webb. Yeah. Then I lost it. Then, yeah. Now, of course, you got Reyes and Cabrera, but they weren't up here with the big. So you have four guys that come to mind immediately, and one or two of them are left-handers. Who the hell's your closer?
4: Who the hell's your setup man? Your long man? You got four guys. (laughs) Not only you are setup long man. Men, men. But like you yeah. need multiple long yeah. men. Yeah. From the third go. inning on, you need long men, and it would be great to have Austin Gomber right now, but he's not even available. How long will he be out because of this cut? Co- like we I don't, don't understand know, that man.
5: part of it. Like is it like three, four days of negative testing? But although the incubation period could be between one and a hundred days, apparently these days that's have, not
4: accurate. I'm being facetious. I have no idea. I don't know when he's expected back. I don't know how the Cardinals are going to be able to fill I need all answers. These. Why don't
6: you know, BK?
4: I need answers from you. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 636. I love this text. It was so bleeping tough for the Marlins to touch the field. You guys make a really great point. Good job. <laughs> is that sarcasm? I guess. I don't know. I'm lost. The fast lane does troller texts. I'm pretty sure that was a real text <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means I don't know how that makes me That's feel true. about it Troll or non-troll, I think that was a real text It says stop babying them Okay, well, I'm come, not, personally come but Come on, guys They haven't played in two and a half weeks. They've been quarantined for like 10 days, like actually in a hotel. They were in there for like six days total where they couldn't even leave their rooms. And now they're not only expected to go out there and be professional athletes performing at the highest of level against teams that have been playing all of this time they're expected to do so more often than those other teams that have been doing this this whole time. Stop
5: babying them. These guys are professionals Stop. that are paid heavily to do this job. Stop babying. Yep. That's
4: right. You know what I could use right now, Jamie? What? A game of one got to go. Oh, Six, five, seven, great. Eight is the there comfort service tax line one got to go coming up next.
2: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: jamie rivers and alex ferrario i'm brandon kylie let's play a game of one gotta go 65780 is the air comfort service text line very simple question you get some options one of them's gotta go let's start with the cardinals roster edition one gotta go jamie new guys john nagowski max Schruck, roel ramirez Or Ricardo Sanchez. And yes, these are real people that are a part of your Cardinals roster right now. John Nagowski, Max Schrock, Roel Ramirez, Ricardo Sanchez. This one's real easy for me. Super easy. Roel
5: Ramirez, you got to go. Because I don't know who you are.
6: (laughs) 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 I'm just being honest. If I'm not mistaken, Roel Ramirez is a pitcher. So, uh, I don't think he's going to go because you need every one of those. Well, my boy Nagowski's not going. Uh, I think you get rid of year,
4: Max Schrock. Last year, in two appearances for Triple A, Roel Ramirez, three scoreless innings. Oh, baby. I think you get rid of Max Schrock. Well,
5: Sanchez is a pitcher, too, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't get rid of him. I didn't know Ramirez was a pitcher. Oh,
4: Ricardo. You can yeah, always count Ricky on him let's,
6: let's take Schrock out of this. Okay. You already know Brad Mills. He's going to be in that infield. Yeah. I'm taking
4: Ramirez, though. The Young. Milsey and Wheaties. Milsey and Wheaties. Yeah, Little Kisneys. Kisneys. Stalwarts. Nagowski's gotta get some playing time. I need to see a little Nagowski over the next few days. I need some Nagowski in my you life. A
6: little little
5: need a little John Nog? Oh boy. Isn't Degowski? No. Yeah. No. You may want to
4: say that one in your
6: head no, next No, I'm going to keep that one you... out there. I'm going to keep that one out there. Some John Nog.
4: Shroxy's got to go. Shroxy. Need some nogzies. Shrocker. One got to go meal edition. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? One got to go meal uh, edition. Well, I'll
5: listen. This is weird for me I'll say breakfast Because I never eat breakfast Really? Never, ever, ever I'm My like, favorite meal of the day uh, But Okay, but here's where it gets catchy for me Is I absolutely love breakfast food So I'm like a breakfast for lunch Breakfast for dinner kind of guy Absolutely love it Like I crush Denny's when I go there I crush Waffle House Love it I just don't ever eat breakfast because I'm get up and go, get up and go, and I'm usually like five minutes behind the, the moment my eyes w- open in the morning. So breakfast is just not an option. Uh, so I guess if the actual meal itself, that time frame has to go, it would be breakfast.
6: Yeah, mine's breakfast too. I don't eat breakfast either. I think my breakfast is usually I granola what bars. Working with right granola now. Granola bars and People orange juice. People are busy on the run. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, not sitting around planning for weddings, you know?
4: <laughs> Dude, I was so first of all, uh to answer the question oh, hot one, spot, here it comes. One gotta go lunch. Lunch's gotta go. Okay, now that I've answered the question <laughs> I have so many venue tours that I've got going on. Like I think there's at least one every day. For the next three weeks, you're like the Cardinals. You're gonna be every day. You're gonna be in one. <laughs> next Saturday, I'm not kidding you guys. From 10 a.m. until 5 p.m., I'm going to be touring these venues oh, for a wedding. Man. That's not for another year plus. Ah, they're so much fun too. You've said this like four times, they're and fun. I know your your sincere voice, and that's not it, my friend.
5: Uh, <laughs> you're um. Your give a you know what meter after about tour number two, is gonna be broken.
4: So You're saying next Saturday when we have five,
5: mm-hmm. you're gonna like pull up with like a pulled hammy.
4: Can't, honey, can't go. <laughs> I pulled my hammy. <laughs> Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line for one. Gotta go. One gotta go Canucks edition because I would like to get all of these guys out of there. Yeah. Bo Horvat, Patterson, Hughes, Markstrom. Quinn
5: Hughes, get that greasy little bugger out of here. He's good. He handles the puck. He really kind of controls the pace of the game for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Pedersen and Horvat are great, but who do you think gets them the puck in great transition and creating offense? It's Quinn Hughes. Markstrom, I think we're going to slice him, dice him very shortly. I think he goes down too soon. Top shelf's available.
6: Quinn Hughes, get rid of him. I want to get rid of Pedersen because he reminds me a lot of the Sedine sisters. And those guys used to piss me off when I watched those series. Like, they got under my skin so much. I They're thought so good looking, though. They were. They were. They still run marathons. Can you believe God. that? Probably still freaking play games. <laughs> Look, Dorks. I think Quinn... <laughs> I think Quinn Hughes is annoying, also just like Bo Horvat. But I thought David Perron had uh, had his way with Quinn Hughes on the ice on Wednesday, and I like that. So if uh, if I'm getting rid of one of these, get the get Patterson out of here because I'm sick of looking at him. I'm done
4: with him. That Patterson, Patterson guy's got to get all the way up out of here. I'm wow. done with him. I mean, all, right. all of them tick me off, but I don't. Let me let me clarify here. No, on the no, 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 yo, no. Yeah, no. Go with what you said. There's no take two here. the fury. I don't like this team. I do not like the Canucks Always hated this team If, if I were, from Canada. Yeah, if I were a fan of the Canucks I would love this team
1: Canada sucks Thank I you. hate
4: this team I really dislike playing against this team Because they're really fun and they're really fast And they're really annoying Every time I watch these teams take the ice, I always flash
6: back to that 0 2 3 series with Bertuzzi and Naslin and Cloutier. You don't want to flash back to that one. I hated that team. That was when the hatred really began for Vancouver, and then the Sedin sisters made it worse. Pavel Dimitro was on that team, and I hated seeing him on another team. Yeah, the the hatred runs deep. Funny story about
5: the Sedin sisters, which, by the way, if you're listening, you don't know who that is. They're not actually sisters. No, they're they're not. They're twin, twin men, twin boys that we're playing on the same team in Vancouver. I'm in Detroit playing uh, for the Red Wings. I know. Wah, wah. Anyways, Chris Chelios is my partner. Bit of a name drop there. Thank you. I'll pick it up. And we're (laughs) in front of the net, and we're battling away, and the Sedins are on the ice, and, you know, they're poking away at the goalie. So naturally, Chelly and I are, you know, a little bit... You know, intense at the time So we crack one of them in the head Thank you for that The other one comes, you know, skating in With the same dumb look on his face as his brother And so the referees come in And they're trying to separate us And Chelly looks right at the one Sadine, And he goes, my god, your brother's so ugly (laughs) And everybody stops for a second And then even the linesmen start to laugh Obviously the joke is They're identical twins Identical twins Uh, What a line from Chelly Yeah, and even the other guys, Vancouver players on the ice, uh, giggled at that <laughs> point, and everything kind of calmed down. It was pretty funny.
4: I'm not a fan of this team. <laughs> I would. I, the quicker work we can make of this series, the better in my eyes, because I I'm really not enjoying playing up against this team. Last one, six five seven eight zeros. There, comfort service sex line for one. Got to go. One got to go. Wedding celebration edition. Oh baby, proposal. Bachelor party reception One gotta go Proposal Bachelor party Reception (laughs) Truth? (laughs) You know, we're going true. Yeah. Reception's gotta go
5: <laughs> Really? Hey, we are in the bubble of truth in here Can't have the wedding
4: without the proposal I mean you can- the celebration portion of it Oh yeah, I oh. was gonna get rid of that Well, okay, then if
5: that's the case, like you're talking like an engagement party Yes Yeah, that's gotta yeah, go yeah, Beat that, it Yeah, there's okay, no so take two on that one, please I should have been more clear, oh. my apologies <laughs> All right. One's got to go. Wedding celebration edition proposal, bachelor party or reception. The proposal slash engagement party for me. Got to go. Unnecessary bachelor party speaks for itself and the reception. Hey, we all want to celebrate. Yeah.
6: Everyone wants to celebrate with each other with alcohol. There's not a lot of alcohol at the engagement (laughs) celebration. There is now. Well, maybe for BK, That's there was. That's just another expense, <laughs> yeah, BK. Oh, yeah, that sucks.
4: I was about to say, I've been looking at some calculations in recent days, and Man, that engagement party wasn't so bad. The bachelor party, I'm pretty sure I could do. We well, don't <laughs> have to do anything rate. for bachelor party, right?
5: <laughs> Tony Patrico from the Riz shows uh, aggravated with me right now. He's like, hey, F off. Those receptions are a good chunk of business for me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I need to talk but, to him. <laughs> Patrico, buddy, if you listen, if you continue to listen, uh, I actually changed my mind. Okay, I thought about the, uh, the DJ service and I added back the reception and subtracted
4: the engagement party. For you, buddy. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing the opposite, though. (laughs) And I apologize to him. But after looking at some of these prices in recent days, it is no joke. They're charging for
5: like oxygen, basically. You walk into a room, that's five bucks.
4: (laughs) You're not kidding. I know. We're looking at a place where everything's a la carte. And when I mean everything, I mean you have to order a porta potty. <laughs> no, no! Oh my God! You gotta order a porta potty. You uh, have to order restrooms. Okay,
5: okay. I don't do porta potties. Speaking of porta potties, have you seen that Sean McVay rant to his team? Yes. This guy, the head coach for the the Rams. Anyways. He got mad at his players because I guess they got porta potties outside when they're doing this thing. And a couple of the big linemen decided to lay some loaves in that thing. And uh, you know, that doesn't work very well. It's kind of like on a tour bus you don't crap in the toilet, you crap in a bag and throw it out the next stop. Well, Sean McVay went off in the team meeting. Do not crap in the porta potties. It's a new team rule, fellas. <laughs>
4: Good luck with the porta of potties BK. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Uh, we do have a little bit of news. The SEC coaches are mad at each other and a story about a Cardinals coach that has now opted out of the season. We'll get to all of that coming up next. Plus, the Blues got to stay out of the box. That's the key to tonight. We'll get to it coming up
2: on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: some breaking news for the Cardinals. They're going to gain a coach in Jose Okindo. He's going to be handling the third base duties for the time being. They're also going to lose a coach. Willie McGee has decided to opt out of, wow. the ver- of the remainder of the season. According to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Willie suffers from high blood pressure and has three older children and five grandchildren that live with him at their family home. He said that those were good reasons for him to ask the Cardinals if he could go home for the rest of the season. And John Mosalock has told him that he understands. So Willie McGee will not... Be with the Cardinals for the remainder of the season. He has decided to opt out. oh uh, well, I, I I can't blame the guy,
5: right? And and when you're Willie McGee, you kind of do whatever the heck you
4: want, anyways. Yeah. Um, and you understand it after everything that's taken place, if, especially if, right now. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, I mean, if if I'm Willie McGee, I, I would look at it and I would say to myself probably the same thing. Like, hey, what's important to me here? And, and he says in this article and in response to the St. Louis Post Dispatch, like, listen, I love baseball more than almost anything in my life. Almost being the key word there. His mm-hmm. family comes first for him, and if he thinks that there's any threat of that, and I understand how he could see that based on what's happened to the Cardinals in recent weeks, I, I totally get the decision. It makes all the sense in the world. I'm am honestly a little surprised that we haven't seen more of that from the Cardinals. Like I, I get either decision if yeah, you want to play. Have we heard play, anything
5: yet? Like what? To, I guess my question would be: opt-outs? Yeah, like nobody has opted out yet as a player except for Jordan Hicks. Yep. Correct? As okay. far as we know. As far as we know. Now, do they opt out? Like if if somebody who tested positive now is like deciding to opt out? Do they opt out now or when they're actually activated
4: again do they have to opt out then? I think either way. I'm I'm assuming that they wouldn't acknowledge that yet because they don't have to like I'm I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of roster moves in terms like the official transaction wire either today or tomorrow leading into that game and then we'll know actually like who is truly available for the Cardinals on game day so I'm sure we'll see some of that I would think that Mo would have announced it yesterday had they had anybody inform them ahead of time that they were going to be opting out, so I I wouldn't expect anybody to do so at this point. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds I,
5: like nobody will. But it's still it's still kind of I guess up in the air. Interesting to see if anybody will have a
4: change of heart. Yeah. One other piece of news that I wanted to pass along. This comes from Pete Famel of Yahoo Sports. <laughs> Uh According to him, SEC coaches on a call yesterday became contentious. At least five SEC coaches expressed frustration over the lack of transparency regarding the inability to produce a, quote, formula for how the two additional league opponents were chosen. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on, tinfoil Ferrario. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out that five of the seven SEC East coaches were the ones that decided to put this into the into the ether. These aren't SEC West coaches that are like, damn, we got to play Kentucky. These are SEC East coaches that are, you had to add Bama to our schedule. It had to be LSU. <laughs> it had to be Auburn. <laughs> like,
5: it's still kind of ridiculous, though, when you think about it, because we're not even close to that yet like we're not even sure they're like i guess they're gonna they're gonna play because it's the sec yeah however we're still not sure and yet you're fighting over hypotheticals basically
4: yeah they, they announced the schedule last week and mizzou uh got the unfortunate hand of playing lsu and alabama bring it on the West coach year.
5: drink wants it he doesn't care he's not afraid of nothing <laughs> do you think he was one of the coaches that complained about no, it no i don't actually I I actually tend to agree. I firmly believe that drink did not complain. I bet he's sitting there going, good. We'll play the
4: best. We'll see where we're at. Speaking of playing the best, the blues are that until proven otherwise. And one thing they've got to do to remain that tonight is staying out of the box. Craig Berube talked about that in his media availability yesterday. Here's what it sounded like.
1: Well, their power play is very dangerous and we knew that, And you know, we, we took six minors, I think in the game, that's way too many. Um, you know, our discipline has not been very good since we've been here. Um, we got to clean that up. That's a big thing for us as discipline. We're a real disciplined team all year. Last year, we were disciplined in the playoffs we were disciplined so we need to get that in order uh, because their power play is very good so
4: that was craig berube yesterday the key to the game tonight jamie might be very simple stay out of the box (laughs)
5: Easier said than done. Stay out of the box and don't give up goals. Uh,
4: Like it it just (laughs) (laughs) shoot the buck. You know what the Canucks do really well? They're really good on the power play. You know what? The Blues are really good at playing on five on five. Yeah. Go ahead and stay five on five. Prevent the power play. You don't have all of your penalty killers right now. That seems to be the formula for the blues to be able to get the upper hand tonight. I know that is easier said than done, but that is the key tonight. They've got to be more. More, more disciplined in their play.
5: Got to move their feet, stay engaged physically without the stick, and certainly listen. One of the the power play skewed a little bit the other night because the last power play they had, the Blues were looking to chase the puck to try and get the goalie out of the net because Petro had taken that late penalty. So I, I don't look at that. Yes, it's classified as a power play goal, but that is not a traditional penalty kill. They were like scrambling, just trying to get the puck back. So. Um, but nonetheless, Vancouver power play is potent. We talk about it with everybody, and Patterson, and and Smith, and you know you've got Hughes and like the or Miller. Sorry, not Smith. Miller. Um, same name. No, nah, I know. I was thinking somebody else. Just throw out a them. common
4: name and you'll Smith get it eventually. And it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Smith on that Over one?
5: to Johnson. He scores. Anyways, I just think the power play uh, for the Vancouver Canucks is just too potent. Don't give them that chance. Don't give them the chance to get momentum is what it is. And that's really what it comes down to. Even if they don't score, lots of teams like the Canucks, the young team, they generate momentum with the man advantage. And you got to take that factor right out.
6: Especially in the third period. We, I mean, you know by now that you've been outscored 9 to nothing in these games so far in Edmonton. And, I mean, that one power play goal... Turns the entire life around Specifically in the third period So if you're going to take penalties You could take one every once in a while and kill it off Because you killed two of them off in that second period But it's that one that you let go by That just sucks the life out of things So that's going to be the biggest key Is taking them at the right time, not the wrong time And they've got to be
4: the aggressive ones Like if you're going to take a penalty For playing your aggressive style of hockey I can live with it Get your money's worth right, BK yeah, absolutely.
5: At hey, BK's changing. Take somebody's hat off the Be aggressive out
6: there
4: there's hope for you.
6: I want to see too much that- time
4: with Jamie Rivers. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Blues versus Canucks game number two tonight. pre game at 430. We've got the puck drop at 530. Alex Ferrario taking you up until that 530 puck drop. It's all right here on your home for the St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next. We're back
2: to the ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. Coming into this segment, Jamie, for three months, it's just been the two of us popcorn back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But during the break, tinfoil Ferrario pops up, Somebody brought up the smelling salts. John Nagowski gets in the big leagues. <laughs> John's, John's Ferrario's like, hey, it's my chance. This is my shot. So Ferrario has something to bring to the table. Well, in never, the junk drawer
6: today as junk well. Junk drawer I never, debut for Tinfoil. I never wanted to, to to mow your guys's lawn. This is the junk drawer segment. I still I didn't don't want you to do that. Jump in. Well, you don't want me to mow your lawn? Don't no. touch my junk. Okay, I'll drawer. stay away from the junk drawer. No, I had uh so one came up today. Hector Gomez, who uh, who covers. Uh, international players playing in Major League Baseball. He did a chat with Fernando Tatis. Of course, the former Cardinal. No, senior? Yes, senior. The player who hit two grand slams if in a game. If was junior, he would have said junior. That's true. I would have said that. He was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. See? Get this, guys. <laughs> I'm going to power through this here. Get this. So from Fernando Tatis, Sr. BK, Junior was shown in 19 tryouts with the Cardinals organization. The tools, the skills, everything was there. Many times I asked myself, why didn't they sign him? Finally, the White Sox signed him and then traded him to the Padres. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How How many? Nine times. Nine times he was shown I'm sorry Was it nine or 19? I you think I said said nineteen? You said 19. Okay, nineteen So I want a clarification here Nineteen tryouts with the Cardinals And they were like Yeah, nah, we're good Yeah And Tattoo said That They showed him the tools The skills The speed Everything And they decided to go the other way um, Maybe him? the guy's a jerk who cares? Look at how many She's, old runs he's hit. I don't, I don't know. know. He, he got of, traded
5: again right after, so he's, maybe.
4: He's one of the best young players in all of baseball. He is like, no, the best young player in if baseball. If he didn't
5: right make now. the Cardinals or they didn't sign him and then he got traded, well, there's Pretty a straight. reason.
4: Didn't he get traded for
6: like. He was traded from. Team Shields? Yeah, he was traded from the White Sox for uh, for a pitcher and a prospect with San
4: Diego. The White Sox. Yeah, front It's the White Sox. It wasn't, wasn't great. Right,
6: So let's lay down here, and this is why it's junk to me, guys. Luis okay. Robert, not willing to spend the money, and he is an elite center field in the major leagues and now one of the best possibly the best shortstop in your game today you saw him 19 times and you didn't decide to sign him imagine if the card right to now afford austin
5: dean though Had you had him and Milzy and ravioli sorry go ahead bk i'm sure you had something good to <laughs> what's say
4: what's he's gonna be doing he's
6: would be out <laughs> of work <laughs> he got playing
4: time no matter what tati's junior at shortstop DeYoung young at third base Robert in center field and Carlson in left. Just to make it with fe- Tyler O'Neill patrolling right. Where's Tommy Edmond and all that? No respect. <laughs> Short term. DH. Ask
6: me how many home runs he has this season, Riffs. Who? A Tatis Jr. Junior? Okay. How many home runs does he He's have this year? He's got eight. Eight. Ask how many home He's runs Cardinals players games. have. I know. How many what? How many pl- home runs Cardinals players have? Uh... Two? I think the most is
4: one. He's on pace for 65. Neil hom- had two. Power through here. Power through. Tatis yeah. Jr. is on pace for 65 home runs this year. That's gonna be hard in, over in 60 a, games. Over a 162 <laughs> game season. <laughs> <laughs> and he's on pace for 40 stolen bases if it were a 162 game season. 60, 40. I'm gonna tell you boys, that's pretty rare. Yeah. That's. Uh, but hey, you saw him 19
6: times and he didn't show you anything. So, <laughs> That's wow. terrible. It's not great. Terrible.
4: It's not great. My, uh... My entry into the junk drawer... I couldn't speak there for a second.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Take two. It caught caught Ferrario off that he was in this today. Disrupted
4: everything. (laughs) My entry into the junk drawer today is a husband who, if I did this, I would immediately be divorced. Immediately. Okay. There was a husband whose bright idea... Ruined his wife's 9,000 piece puzzle oh, So ooh. his wife huh? Spent months uh-huh. Putting together this 9,000 piece puzzle She finally finishes it She is ready to take a picture with this puzzle She's standing next to it And her husband says Hold on, instead of standing next to the The, the flat mm. puzzle Why don't I pull this up for you Put it straight up and down right Vertically perpendicular to the ground well, as you can probably imagine, because, you know, gravity, the puzzle <laughs> flies off of this table, and suddenly the month's worth of work is just gone in a million... Di- I would be livid. 9,000 different pieces on the ground. I would be livid. Okay. Kara is a huge fan of puzzles. I am too. She does them all the time. I'm not allowed to touch the puzzles. I'm not allowed to move the puzzles. Or I'm the not grill. even allowed at times to... Sore subject Keep going To look at the puzzles If I did this I would not only be divorced But I might have to You guys might have to be calling To figure out what had happened I don't allow
6: my wife To do the puzzles with me I like to do them by myself And seriously Like if if you mess up the puzzle All hell breaks loose Okay
5: so I have a theory
6: here through all this
5: nine thousand pieces that probably take a lot of hours to do it right months apparently and how long have they been married does it say it
4: did not say how long they have been together so
5: so let's assume it's like 10 years okay Okay. let's just throw that out
4: there it looked like a middle-aged couple maybe
5: around your age all right so maybe 20 years then so anyways (laughs) what if okay what if the husband really likes the fact that she's busy on this puzzle all the time and leaves him alone.
4: <laughs> what like, I, if it's I, I'm cutting you to, to get this done again? Him,
5: like playing cards with the boys, watching TV, and he's Still like a oh, jerk move. Let me help you with this puzzle. Oh darn, you're gonna have to do it again. That's oh another God. three weeks of hanging out alone.
4: Oh no, I dropped your puzzle. You know what would have been great is if as he started to pull it up, he screamed, take two! Take two <laughs> Speaking of take two, how about take three?
5: UFC happening Saturday night, and uh, the main event is Daniel Cormier and stipe miocic some people say miocic whatever doesn't matter this is going to be a heck of a fight they both have won one fight against each other and they're looking for blood and this could be daniel cormier's last fight he said this before that he's retiring however money seems to drag him back out for the battle but these guys listen to this stuff guys Miocic, 6'5", 240 pounds. Jesus. Cormier, 5'11", and he's weighed in today at like 222. So a distinct size advantage uh, for Miocic. Now, uh, Daniel Cormier though, I believe his only loss uh, losses have been to John Jones, who is a phenomenal fighter, and to Miocic, who uh, battled through and took the body out on him and got him to drop in the final round the last time they fought. So this one here is going to be huge. I will be buying the pay per view. They're in the heavyweight division. So, a lot of times when you get that, there's no grappling. There's none of that. It's just stand in the middle and they throw bombs back and forth. And these guys are certainly able to do it. Now, an undercard fight, or not a main event fight, that I'm looking to see is this guy named Sugar Sean O'Malley. I like the nickname. Okay. His hair is like rainbow colored and he does all sorts of crazy things. He's tatted up from butthole to earlobe. This guy has got, you know, all Hold this up. look to him. Hold up, he's tatted up there. <laughs> he might be. I'm telling you. Anyways, he's 12 and 0. That's a badass. He's 12 and 0 right now. Okay. Yeah, that is a badass. Ah, but maybe on, it's a Riz. good one. Never know. He's 12 and 0 right now. 67 percent of his wins come from either knockout or TKO. He's a skinny guy at 5'11, 135 pounds. But he's wiry and he's been knocking the crap out of guys. So tonight, like or, me. Sat- there you go. It kind of looks like you a little <laughs> bit. Um, so Saturday night, pay-per-view UFC. It's going to be those two fights in particular are going to be worth, uh, worth the price of admission. And of course, uh, there's a lot of other great fights, but Dana White doing a great job over there.
4: So while you're watching those fights, I'm guessing you'll have a uh, beer or two. Probably or 12. enjoy yourself on the couch Or two 12. or twelve Or twelve. There's well, no in between The one thing that I would recommend <laughs> not doing After having that beer or two or twelve Okay Grabbing your horse And riding the horse Okay, horse Yes Like, like pony Okay yes. yes Just making sure the Grabbing your horse <laughs> Riding it <laughs> to the uh, drive through liquor store And grabbing yourself another bottle Yeah That is what a woman has, uh Learned you can Please in don't fact. say DUI You can in fact.
5: What? I thought it was only things that are motorized. That's
6: an
4: H-U-I, that's a horsing under the influence
6: Influence?
5: But the horse isn't drunk
4: No, but you are You are driving the horse apparently Are you? Apparently, according to the
5: law No, you're riding it, you're not driving driving it it.
6: Well, that's what the reins are for
5: Yeah, have you ever ridden a horse? Yes, I have Okay, you have a little bit of control over it But the horse, let's be honest here If the horse knew how to get to the liquor store, it wasn't the first time she's taken it there
4: (laughs) Right? Well, I would imagine that she Is showing it where to go Uh, By the way this was in Sydney So I I should recognize that as well Um, She Blew five times over the legal limit Nice did a great job of getting this horse to the liquor I can't store believe she got on the damn horse and That's honestly probably the most wild
2: <laughs> Was she sitting frontwards or backwards on this thing? She was
4: leaning sideways <laughs> She has received 18 months probation, probation With a conviction record Did what they the take horse
5: her kept. saddle away? Because, you know, when you're DUI, you lose your <laughs> license, right? So did they take the saddle away? She can't ride the horse anymore. Does the horse go too? Was the horse impounded? Yeah. Probably cause... going bareback now.
6: <laughs> they brought the tow hey, truck. never go bareback. <laughs> they brought the tow truck out for the horse. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think they get the horse home? Yeah, you put a little toe on the rein and just guide it on the tow truck. How do you do that? Hey, can I add on to my Tatis story? Oh, no. Please. <laughs> this will This will hurt. White Sox signed him for $700,000. Hector Gomez saying the Cardinals offered him $500,000.
4: Chris Ranji popping in with a dynamite drop in here. It's no coincidence. My two favorite baseball teams mangled to just miss. Excuse me. Manage. Take two. To just miss on Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm sure I'm actually the problem. So the real guy that we could blame for all of this, Chris Ranji, is actually Chris
6: Ranji. Text it. Hashtag blame Ranji six five seven eight zero. Do we not just automatically blame him anyways? Ranji's the worst. Ranji's the worst.
4: <laughs> A lot of people are the best. Ranji is the worst, <laughs> and it's his fault that Fernando Tatis Jr. is not here, and it's his fault that because he lived here. Luis Robert was deciding where am I going to go yep. and He decided to go to Chicago Because he knew that would be further away from Ranji If Ranji was yep. still in Chicago Robert would be here Thanks We call it the Ranji
5: effect Imagine all the players we could have had if we didn't
6: have Ranji You I know Ranji was on the Blue Notes for pregame <laughs> Wednesday too <laughs> well, it's His fault
4: that they, they lost that game he just lost that He did lose that pregame no Ranji's the worst Mike Trout was actually expected to sign with the Cardinals Yep, wanted to Until he found out about Chris Ranji Chris Ranji said nope, I'm out Nolan Nolan to be traded to the Cardinals this summer Until he found out that Chris Ranji was here
6: The lady in Sydney wasn't going to get on her horse drunk And go to the alcohol store
4: until it was because of Ranji There's a circle of trust A circle of contenders in the NFL How many teams belong in it As true contenders At least one national publication Says it's 12 teams long We'll tell you who those are coming up on 101 ESPN
2: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast On 101 ESPN
4: Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. What a Friday. <laughs> what a Friday. So, Sports Illustrated says there's 12 teams going into the season that can win the Super Bowl this year. 12 teams, that's it. And guess who's not one of them, Jamie Rivers? I'm looking, Tampa Bay. I'm looking. Well, now we know. <laughs> They're not the only one
5: that's not on this list. Well, uh, I'm glad you answered the question. But yes, I,
4: T- Tampa Bay, not included in their 12 teams. Seattle, because a quarterback can't, can't have the girl in his room. No, Seattle is actually on this list. Um, So, there's some Jamie, surprises here, though. I wanted to go through this. Yep. Let's go AFC first, NFC after okay. that. You drive the bus. Because... Sports Illustrated saying that there's 12 teams that can win the Super Bowl. I found it interesting who some of these teams were. And frankly, some of them were surprising to me. In the AFC, they have the Chiefs, of course, Mm -hmm. the Patriots, the Ravens, the Chargers, Steelers, and the Bills. So that's six teams from the AFC, Chiefs, Pats, Ravens, Chargers, Steelers, Bills. Anybody on that list that surprises you?
5: Yeah, uh, the Patriots. There's no way. What the hell? And look, I'm a Pats fan, and I take a lot of beatings on the text line from people because I I like the Patriots. But I'm pretty honest about it, okay? The Patriots should not be on this list. One, their experiment right now with Cam Newton. Who knows how that's going to go? And let alone they've lost, what, eight players, Mm -hmm. nine Mm -hmm. players to have opted out. And some of those players are darn good players. Um, yeah, I don't see how the Patriots are on this list To me, honestly, it's a two-horse race in this It's the Ravens or the Chiefs I know the Steelers Keep the Steelers in there I know, but I, I yeah. just I don't think Big Ben is going to last I think he's like a three or four gameer, And he's ke- hurt
4: again Maybe But if he doesn't get hurt this season I do think they have the potential to win the Super Bowl You think they got enough weapons on offense? Juju, James Conner They just drafted another receiver this year I think they do I think they do Man, They have big Ben running and that defense legitimately has the potential to be a weapon to himself. Take two. two. That defense has the potential to be the best in the NFL this season as well. And so if they're scoring 24 points again, they might be giving up 14 so that I think they should stay on this list. The Chargers were stunning to me. Who the heck is going to play quarterback for the Chargers? I forget. Either Tyrod Taylor or their first-round pick this year, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Oh,
5: yeah, that kid. And people think well, I forgot where the hell he went, actually. He's
4: <laughs> a ways away from being ready to start in the NFL. It's yeah. He's a little bit of a project, so and, I wouldn't have them on that list at all. Is it Tyrod Taylor? Yeah. Where was he last year? He, he, was, he was in with- Indy, wasn't he? He yeah. was with Cleveland for a little while He's been bouncing as my, my he, point I think he was with the Chargers last year yeah, as a backup
5: yeah. Okay, but he's been like bing bing, bing yeah. Around the league mm-hmm. in the last handful of years, yes. right? Yeah, he's not the answer. Here, I don't know how the Chargers make this.
6: Here's list. my thing: if you're going to have the Bills on here as a team that can win the Super Bowl in the AFC, then you got to take the Patriots out because if the Bills have the ability, they're not going to lose oh, I to see the Patriots. Did there, right? Yeah. A little process of elimination. Yeah, you got so. to put one or the other well, on. Quite
5: this honestly, one. if
4: the Chiefs are going to win, then none of these teams should be on the list. Good point. So Screen I've got. <laughs> I've got three contenders. If we want to take the Patriots and the Chargers off the list, because I I agree, Jamie, and watch your headphones there. If we're going to take the Patriots and the Chargers off of this list, let's try to replace them with two teams, right? Yes. Take two off, put two in. Let's do it. I think there's three contenders to take those two spots. You guys tell me who you would go with out of these. The Colts, the Texans, or the Browns. I think two of those three would Where be my replacements. Where are my bucking ears on this one? This is the AFC. We'll get oh, to that. That's them. right. Yeah. The Colts, the Texans, or the Browns. <laughs> Out of those three, who would you guys go with? <laughs> two of those three? Two of the three.
6: Uh, I would do the Texans and the Browns. I would do the Texans and the Colts on that
4: one. I will take the tiebreaker. I'm going with the Colts and the Texans. So now our list of the six teams from the AFC. Hold on. We covered all of those, right? So all three of us? Yeah. Okay. You
5: picked the Browns, though, which is hey, kind of. Someone's got to take the Browns this It or the actually kind of makes sense that Ferrario took the Browns.
4: I so. think our list is better than their list You're from Sports a jerk. Illustrated <laughs> Chiefs, Patriots, Ravens, Steelers, Bills, Browns. Excuse me. I said the Patriots, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, Bills, and then we added in the Colts and the Texans in place of the Patriots and the Chargers. Yeah. Well, we NFC. He wanted the, Browns, we wanted the Browns, but in the fight. NFC, they have the 49ers, the Saints, Seahawks, Eagles, Cowboys, and Packers. So those six teams in the NFC, they do not have your beloved Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Jamie, do you think that the Buccaneers should be ahead of any of those six teams, though? In your opinion
5: Yeah I do I Well look obviously to be determined right Because we really don't know how much gas Tom Brady has left in the tank Or Rob Gronkowski for that matter But if they do have Enough left in the tank I think they're good enough to make the playoffs And I think that they've done a good job Of adding other weapons Or currently having other weapons In the offense to help Tom Brady The offensive line could use some work um, For sure but uh I, I see them I see the Buccaneers better than the Eagles for sure and possibly the Cowboys. Better than the Eagles and the Cowboys. I do.
4: I think they're better I think the Cowboys are gonna be pretty good this year. I've got questions on their coaching situation, but McCarthy can't be any worse than Jason Garrett was. I love their offense, their defense. They just signed another pass rusher yesterday with Everson Griffin, who's coming over from the Vikings. They just signed him as a free agent, and they've added a ton of depth along that defensive line in the offseason. I think the Cowboys have the potential to be really good. The Packers are the team on this list that I love Aaron Rodgers. I love their pass rush. I love their number one corner. I'm not sure about the rest of that roster.
5: Yeah, I just think Aaron Rodgers, though, he, he's he got the pressure on him right now. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to have a big year to kind of the, that F you to everybody who thinks that he's done in Green Bay. And when you got a guy that's been as good as he's been throughout his career, you got a little motivation. Maybe that motivation hasn't really been there. I think that Packers will have a really good season.
4: I think they've got a chance to. I wouldn't necessarily have them in the same ilk as the Saints-Seahawks-Cowboys necessarily see, going into the season. I just don't see
5: the Cowboys. I don't know why. I mean, I, everything you're saying is true. I just think that the Cowboys can never quite get out of their own
4: way. If you had to make a list right now of uh-huh. the teams, the let's let's say the teams most likely, the three most likely teams from either conference as of today— to win the Super Bowl, who would you have on that list? Because for me, I think the AFC is super easy. I think it's the Chiefs, Ravens, or Steelers. I think one of those three teams from the AFC will be representing that conference, obviously, COVID aside, and that yeah, is a yeah. huge caveat here. But mm-hmm. barring some sort of massive changes with the injuries or the health of the of those teams, those would be my three from the AFC. Who would you guys go with in the AFC right now? Um
5: Yeah, as crazy as it is, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, we usually I'm like This is twice in one segment Where we actually agree on something um, Yeah, Chiefs Ravens, and if Big Ben Stays healthy, the Steelers uh, I think it's going to be a challenge But right now we're going to have to assume That he's healthy because he is healthy So yes, the, the Chiefs, Ravens
6: Steelers for me I think I would do Chief Ravens, Bills Josh Allen show. Josh Allen kind of blew it up on himself Last year in that uh, in that playoff game, but I
4: bet on the Bills in that game, and it oh, was yeah, one of too. the most horrific betting experiences yep. I have ever had in my entire life. <laughs> we were in Vegas, and we were watching it, and we watched ourselves push on that one, and I was so pissed off. I was with Kara. We met in Columbia. We went to dinner that day, and the playoff games were on, so we were just watching the games together because at that point I'm in KC, she's still out here in St. Louis. Does she so. enjoy football? Not so much, but you know, because I was playoffs. like, when
5: you say we were watching, so basically. Mostly you sat where the TV was above her head
4: uh, We were at a restaurant so, yeah, And you, know. you were just peeking over Yeah, it was okay. great all right. um, So we, I, was watching the playoff game oh, okay. And when Josh Allen is just Like throwing the ball to a side At all times, just like playing hot potato with it it was mortifying. Yeah, absolutely mortifying. Yeah.
6: That defense, though, that defense, I don't know. They, they, they were pretty strong, but I think they
4: would have a better chance than the Steelers. And the NFC is where I think it is a little bit more difficult Oof. to come up with the three true obvious contenders, because I think these teams are all kind of of the same caliber. I don't think there's anybody in the NFC going into the season that is at the same level as the Chiefs or the Ravens in the AFC. I think those two are the clear-cut best teams in the NFL right now. If I had to go with the three teams that I think are most likely to come out of that conference, though, especially in this season when continuity is going to matter a lot, I think I would go with the Seahawks, the Saints, and the Cowboys. I think those would be my three. Seahawks, Saints, and Cowboys as my three contenders from the NFC going into the year.
5: All right. Well, I'm with you uh, with the Saints and the Seahawks. This is where I get a little, I don't know, flippy-floppy all over the place here. I I desperately want the Buccaneers to be one of those teams. Mm -hmm. I don't know to be determined. But if I was taking money today and placing it down as a bet, I would go with the 49ers.
4: So, 49ers back,
5: yeah. 49ers back into the playoffs. I don't expect them to they go. They make me nervous. They've they got do. The Listen, feel of
4: a uh, Jimmy last G. year was the year that they they broke out, kind of like the Panthers. Remember when Cam had that yeah, incredible and they absolutely season? Absolutely,
5: did nothing after. Yeah, and then <laughs>
4: they they just kind of went back to being like a nine and seven, eight and eight type of team. I think the 49ers are fine. I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to repeat what they did a year ago.
5: I think that, well, I don't think they'll repeat what they did a year ago, but I do think they'll get into the playoffs. So if I'm picking the three teams for me um that will you know, be the top teams that could challenge for it. 49ers have got the recent taste of getting to the Super Bowl at least. My favorite is the Seahawks out of this one. Then I'd say the Saints. Then I would go
6: 49ers. Saints make me worried because they can never get past the Vikings. It seems like every year that's the team that just ruins it for them. I but, know, but and then the Vikings
4: lose in the next. game. The, yeah, the Vikings look
6: like they shouldn't even be there in the next round. But I think I, if I were to go with with the putting bets down, it would be Seahawks, Saints, and I think I would do Cowboys as well. I, I just
4: Cowboys uh, seems just so talented, and man. it seems
6: like new blood with Mike McCarthy. Who look, he's not great, but he. He's got to be better than Garrett, like he said, BK. And I think with Dak Prescott, the situation is like, look, I'm going to go out there and just blow it out of the water before this ends for me.
4: It's one fifteen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Mark Saxon is super excited to cover baseball again. Mm-hmm. What's he expect from Dylan Carlson this weekend? We'll talk to him about it coming up. Mark Saxon on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Baseball is back here in St. Louis, baby. Let's go out to the Brown and Group and Celebrity Line to celebrate it with Mark Saxon. He's a Cardinals insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Mark A. Saxon. Saxon, we always appreciate the time, my friend. Are you excited to be able to finally cover baseball on the field again?
0: Yeah, I am. I mean, it's going to look different, guys, because, you know, teams just don't play uh, 10 doubleheaders in two months, typically. Um, And so it's going to be a different kind of uh, competition for this team. They're going to be stretched like they never have before. But given what the alternative was, what we've seen the last three weeks, I think anybody listening and the three of us on this call will take it, right?
4: Absolutely. yeah. We'll we'll take anything we can get. I want to get to Dylan Carlson with you here in just a little bit. But let's start with that, with the scheduling. Because, Saxie. if I had a bone to pick with Major League Baseball, it would be this. I get that they need to play doubleheaders. But did they really need to give them three doubleheaders in the first five days when they return, whenever they still have so many guys that aren't able to play? I think I looked it up earlier, and it's like five guys from their original pitching staff, both relievers and starters, are not on the roster right now, not eligible to play whenever they get up to Chicago. Was this the best way, in your opinion, to handle it with that?
0: Well, I think what they ran into, BK, was – this, you know, they're trying to reduce travel, so they don't want to add trips. And so now they're going to essentially play all the, you know, all the Cubs games in Chicago. They're going to call some of them home games, right? Does it really matter? I mean, do the Cubs have an advantage at Wrigley Field? I think what they've decided, you know, they're just trying to minimize the amount of moving around together as a team. And Is it fair? No, it's a a rough way to start, particularly your guys have been, you know, not sitting around for the last three weeks, but not doing a whole lot baseball-related, right? And at times they were sort of forced to sit around. So very tough to play those games, but it's going to be, I think, the first of just a series of real trials that the rest of the season is just going to turn into. And it's first going to be, can they survive – The potential of injury risk. Then it's going to be, can they get through that schedule and be competitive? So all up in the air. But again, you know, not 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 ideal in any sense, and and the schedule is not ideal.
5: All right, Big Sexy, my boy BK here, who's just so pumped up today walking into the studio. Obviously, you know, he was, he's been petitioning for Dylan Carlson to be up here for a long time now, and his wish has come true. So I guess my question is, how soon do you think we see Dylan Carlson officially in the lineup? Does he get the crack right away, or do they wait a day or two?
0: I would be sure. Shocked if he's not starting one of the games tomorrow. Uh, and I think you'll see him play start pretty much every, every game. You know, I, think, I don't think you bring up this particular player if the idea is he's going to come in off the bench. Now, what will be interesting to me is to see how they use him, right, because he's capable of playing all three outfield positions. But with as much as he's going to be dealing with, would it be maybe better to put him in one spot and leave him there and, and, and use the older, more experienced outfielders in multiple positions? So, for example, could he be the everyday center fielder and now Harrison Bader maybe plays a little late-inning defense? He will get the start in one of the three spots. but Or do they move Dylan Carlson around and he plays multiple positions? So they're going to be mix, mixing and matching. But with this many games, Jamie – Everybody's going to be playing a lot. I, th- I think the the opposite will be more the challenge, and that'll be getting guys off, days off eventually.
5: All right. So my follow up to that is, look, the the young kid is going to be nervous. We know he's very mature for his age, and that he's obviously a, a great talent. But I look at it is, and I guess my question is. Do you think he's got an advantage right now because he's continued to take at-bats? He's continued to be on the field daily every day down in Springfield where the Cardinals, let's be honest, they've been sitting around for quite a few days now and not being able to hit the the field. But does Dylan Carlson have an advantage coming in? Will it be maybe easier for him to jump into that that batter's box and feel really comfortable?
0: No question about it. And I think that plays into this decision. And, and it becomes, would you rather have a guy sitting on his couch, you know, I mean, to take it to the extreme, a guy sitting on his couch for two and a half, three weeks, or would you ever rather have a guy who's taking live BP several times a week, hitting every day, working on his defense? He's activated, right? He's he's ready. And I think that is part of it. Um, you know, and basically they're kind of emptying out the satellite camp i know you know justin williams remains down there i i think we'll see him at some point if if kind of this whole this pattern of turnover so um you know i do think that was part of it though jamie and, and and he's ready to play baseball um, he's had less of an interruption. They've been kind of working out steadily in, in, in Springfield. So, yeah, and that's the case with all these guys, and I think they'll use them a lot.
4: We're talking with Mark Saxon. He's a Cardinals insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. So, Saxy, when we talk about Dylan Carlson, I guess the next question would be, what can Cardinals fans expect from him? When, when you talk to people within the organization about what kind of a player he can be, we had somebody last week or two weeks ago tell us that the comparison that he would make for him is on. Un- Andre Ethier. What kind of a player do the Cardinals view Dylan Carlson as moving forward?
0: Yeah, I saw that comp, actually. I like that one. Andre Ethier was a hell of a player when he was young. You know, the difference was that Andre Ethier never really hit left-handers, and so he kind of became a platoon guy later in his career. And Dylan Carlson doesn't have that problem because he's a switch hitter. And what you see in baseball, it's, 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 typically pretty rare to see power hitters who are switch hitters and have power from both sides and that's what he has and that's an incredibly ex- exciting skill set i think in the short term you know they just needed power you know they lost their cleanup hitter and paul de young uh... thirty home run guy and they didn't really have anyone else at at the satellite camp who could potentially pro- provide that Dylan Carlson slugged almost 550 last year in the minor leagues, double-A AA and triple-A. I mean, that that's pretty, you know, elite. So this is a guy who's going to hit a lot of doubles. He's going to hit some home runs. He is going to play adequate defense, I think, wherever they put him. And, you know, it, it's just no question, Is it, strapped as they are, he's one of the best, you know, talents in the organization, and I think it makes perfect sense to see what he can do.
5: Saxy, I'll tell you what. One of the best stories coming out of this is a guy named John Nagowski. <laughs> All right. I don't know much about the guy, but I'm always pulling for the underdog. He's what, 27, never played a Major League Baseball game. He's called up by the Cardinals. For me and some of our listeners, I'm wondering what you know about this young man and what can we expect from him? His numbers look good in the minors, Sexy.
0: Yeah, so here's what I could tell you about him. He's a very his profile from a scouting perspective is very, very unusual for the game today because he is a first baseman with very little power, but tremendous uh, bat to ball skills. He almost never strikes out. I think there were seasons where he had fewer uh, strikeouts than Walk. Last year. <laughs> yeah, Okay. So. You're going to see a very unusual approach for a first baseman, maybe more in the line of like a Mark Grace type guy, you know, not, not the typical big brawny, you know, 40-plus home run guy at first base, but more a really good defender. I know he comes with that, but just an unusual uh, skill set for a first baseman. He just hits a little bit differently. Um, which I think could be interesting. I think that's an interesting bat off the bench for those situations where all you need is a base hit. You don't necessarily need a home run to get back in the game. So he's another guy who makes perfect sense to me to have on this roster. Again, you're down 10 guys right, <laughs> who, from your original roster. Bring them all up, basically.
4: See what they can do. Saxy, final question that I have for you here. That's the that's the hitting side of things. Let's talk about the pitching for a minute because they have eight games in their next five days, Saxy, and they've got to find a way to fill these innings with guys without having Austin Gomber, without having Carlos Martinez. They're not going to be able to have Miles Michaelis for the rest of the season. How in the world is Schilt going to be able to cover these innings? Forget later on down the road when they finally get these guys back, just over the next five. Five days.
0: It's going to be brutal. I mean, you're going to see a bullpen game. I think the second game on Saturday will be a bullpen game, so that'll empty out the bullpen. Now, they do have some guys down there who can give them, you know, multiple innings, you'll be seeing a lot of that. You'll be seeing relievers going three and four. I do think the plan with Austin Gomber and the way they were able to put him on the COVID list uh, because they think he was around someone and was exposed, even though he tested negative. I think the notion of that was so that he can can work out and build up and possibly make a start as soon as sometime next week. Um, And so you will see him making starts, I think, assuming he stays healthy, and that's, kind of the caveat with everybody right now but if you can think of a guy who has made a start for the Cardinals in the last I don't know three or four years who's still in the organization you're going to see him again because they need everybody and they may even eventually have to reach down and pull up you know a prospect like Johan Oviedo right we'll see what happens but I think the number one thing is kind of similar to what we just said on the position player side they're going to need them all so if you had some of those relievers who you were hoping never to use and in case of a glass break here and use the guy then, you don't have that anymore. They're all going to be having to pitch meaningful innings for you if you're going to survive this.
4: He's Mark Saxon. You can find his work over on The Athletic. He did unbelievable reporting throughout this all, this whole situation with COVID and the pandemic and how the Cardinals are going to be able to get back onto the field. He's going to continue that once they are on the field. Saxon, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for on with us today. Okay, Chance. Pleasure talking to you. As always, have a good weekend. Absolutely, you do the same. That is Mark Saxon joining us here on 101 ESPN. I know we've made a joke of it today, but John Nagowski might be a really important player for you the Cardinals. Guys have I haven't? I never made fun of Nogs. No. Back to bed, please. Back to bed. John Nagowski. Now that I look at this, any even more, and I'm glad that uh, Saxon mentioned this. He has had more walks than strikeouts in each of his last three seasons in the minors. Now, he hasn't played very many games, and I don't know if this is, like, injury issues. Listen, I'm not... I'm no John Nagowski expert I didn't know the gentleman prior to earlier Today, but his numbers are Really impressive. He hit 300 In each of the last three years He consistently gets on base With high walk, low strikeout This guy could be legitimately interesting For them.
5: I, As Saxey was talking about it, I'm, in my head I'm going, right now, the Cardinals Just need to put the ball in play A lot of the times their offense comes To a sudden halt because they Can't put the ball in play, and if this guy one of those guys that can either grab a walk or just put the ball in play get it you know a single here a single there even a sack fly something you know he's going to get the bat on the ball it could really help
4: the cardinals more excited to see dylan carlson or john nagowski this weekend (laughs) right now as of right now probably john Nagowski. ferrario what's your answer to the question 100% yes
1: The, the I, didn't know,
6: I didn't know what you said. <laughs> I was listening to Mark Sachs
4: and I was cutting up audio. Blues Quick Hitters coming up next. We're back
2: to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
4: Actual conversation moments ago ferrario admitted going into break he had had at least three Celtics. <laughs> while on a riding lawnmower <laughs> at least three <laughs> dangerous I think he he didn't fess up to this part i think there was an maybe a margarita i i'm thinking more long island though he's got three red
5: solo cups back
4: there that's a clear indication that something's going wrong hey when you're ready you're ready he's liking that bush now jamie jamie I however can't get to it, i can't get to it fast enough that's what she said. Jamie said moments before we came back, I tried. A, I tried a seltzer the other day. Yeah, yeah. Now you stopped there. What'd you think? And what kind? Oh, by the way, we'll get to Blues Quick Hitters here momentarily. Yeah, yeah. What kind of seltzer?
5: Uh, it was a black cherry. That's a good one. Okay. The Truly? I can't remember. Or it was, was a Bud Light. Truly or a Bud Light? I don't know. It was whatever my oh. daughter and her friends were were drinking, and I'm like, you know what? I owe the guys. I I shot at one of these seltzers. It lasted one sip. Oh. You were out? I'm I'm out. I'm out, guys. I'm trying to
6: blueberry one or whatever it Listen, was
5: you could you could have gold flavored and i'm out okay <laughs> mm-hmm. i am just it's it, it kind of tasted like uh like a sugar free like it had an aspartamey kind of taste to it i was like i'm out well, i'm out i mean the aspartame yeah whatever yeah. it was I, i'm out i'm sorry you had seltzer water yeah um, like The flavored seltzer water yeah it's a, I, i'm not a fan i'm hey, not well, a fan then... Scott so part of it, and, and I'm not trying you to dog are one on pathetic loser. I'm not going to dog on all these seltzers. I've I tried a sip of that one, and then there was another one too. Have you tried uh, the
6: lime one yet? No, the lime one's pretty good. The Bud, Bud, Bud Light lime. lime, lemon, and orange are really good. So, but here's where my head went with it
5: is I wanted to put it in the glass and like add alcohol to it. <laughs> so, like yeah, people do that, That's put the of... seltzer like in, and then like pour another shot and a half of like one vodka bit of in it. there because yeah. you're
4: a baller, ribs. Well, I just felt like I was like yeah that's a great idea for a float trip that's that's the way you make it to the end of the float by making sure just <laughs> or end up dehydrated red solo cup Red Solo cup. Uh, pour in half of the seltzer give the other half to whoever say hey i'm finished with this pour and over and you know, over at the convenience store mm-hmm. and enjoy yourself on the on the river that's, that's the go-to that's good good advice solid it's my go-to. All right, six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Let's get into some Blues quick hitters. Jamie, yes. we did this last game. You were correct on. I'm pretty sure everything you predicted wow. for the Blues, every single thing. The Blue that is going to get off to the hot start and will put them on the board is who tonight?
5: Tonight, Tarasenko. Vladdy's getting the first goal. He's he's tired of hearing about how he's not producing. He's tired of hearing that he turned over the puck the other night. He's tired of hearing that he hasn't played in months. And usually when Vladdy's pissed off like that, something
6: good happens. Braden Shen sounded like a man on a mission after that loss on Wednesday. Schwartzy was on fire. Shen was hitting everybody. I'm picking Shen to get that first one tonight.
4: You know who I like to get the first goal for the Blues tonight? Vince Dunn. Ooh. Vince Dunn was
6: Are you sure you're not into yeah. seltzer? Did you did you steal my red solo cup over here?
5: listen. Listen, I'm a Vince Dunn fan, so I will listen to you.
4: Vince Dunn was flying around the ice early in the like, game. Yeah, a little bit too much. He had guys game. flying great, around him too. A hundred yeah, percent. He's handing out tickets. <laughs> or that made him I'm not saying he was perfect defensively. I'm not asking who's gonna have the first great defensive play. I probably wouldn't pick Vince Dunn for that one. I'm asking who's gonna score the first goal. I'm going to go with Vince Dunn. I think Vince Dunn puts the Blues on the board tonight. First massive hit of the game, Jamie Rivers goes to First
5: massive hit. Uh, Well, depends on who's in the lineup, right? We don't know if Sammy Blay is going to go. If Sammy Blay's in, that's a no-brainer. He's getting the first big hit, okay? Now, if he's not in, I'm going again right back to Braden Shen. That guy was launching himself into guys the other day, and, like, he's out for blood. He really is, and I think that that's just going to, to your point, alex about how he was he was a little
6: bit irritated after the win yep. or the loss the other night game one i think that carries over i'm picking shen too i mean that guy was throwing his body into every one that he could and and i'll, I'll say it again he sounded like he was a man on a mission i'm gonna play some of his his sound bites on the pregame show tonight I, dude sounds like he's dialed in already don't
4: count out Peron on this one that's after one. what took place in game one He could be potentially interesting for something like this going into this game. If it's Quinn Hughes, he'll hit him. If he plays, and we don't know if he plays. If he doesn't, then I'll go with Perron. If he plays, though, I'm going to go Brower on this one. Ooh. Brower was throwing his body around a little bit in game number one. I'll go with Brower as the first big hit for the Blues tonight. All right. Over-under, Jamie. Uh Uh-oh. Over-under. I'm going to... I'm not gonna say the half for him, but I'm gonna saying, say the half say for the you. Half. No, give it to me straight. Are we sure, Ribs? I don't know. Over under three and a half, three. Three and penalties half. for the Blues tonight. What, is a half penalty only a minute? Over <laughs> under three three penalties for the Blues tonight for you, Jamie. <laughs> Ferrario, it's three and a half oh, to you. God. For you, Jamie, it's three. Come on, ribs. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, think about that, right? Technically, that would be a, a minute, minute penalty, yeah. A minute, yeah.
6: Meaning they took a penalty in the middle of a power play and killed off yeah. a and minute of the power play. And then you only the use half your stick? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay, anyways.
5: <laughs> three and a half is the over under for power plays or penalty kills?
6: Penalties, penalties by the Blues. How many penalties, penalties the Blues by would take? By so, the Blues? PK. <laughs>
5: Are we sure? (sighs) If it's truly three and a half, I'm going under. I think I think three or fewer. I think you'll see three penalties max
6: by the Blues today. I'm going to take the under as well because I also think Baruby and Shen were having long conversations with those officials about some of these ticky-tacky calls. I think the, the refs are going
4: to let this play out unless it's in a blatant, obvious penalty. So I'm going to take the under. I agree with you guys. I think that's going to be the number one thing that the Blues try to improve tonight. Like if they if they look at anything from their game in game number one and say that has to be better in game number two. Has to be. It's the penalties. So I think they're going to be cognizant of it going into the game tonight. I expect them to improve in that area. Moment of truth. Jordan Cairo, is he in the the lineup tonight? Oh, boy, oh,
5: boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I think he is. I think he gets the tap on the shoulder. I think Craig Deruby wants some speed in the lineup. Now, of course, that is assuming that Sammy Blay and Alexander Steen cannot go. Because um, if they can go, then he doesn't have a chance. Let's be honest, okay? Uh, but if if not, then yes, I think Kairu gets the tap. And I think that you see him in and out of the third and fourth line trying to see where he can find his footing best.
6: I'm going to say yes, because I, I think you'll see one of Steen or Blay in the lineup, but not the other. I don't know who, but I, he's going to give Kairou another shot after his, uh, his struggle in this one-round robin game. So I'm going to say yes.
4: I tend to agree. Last one. Blues quick hitters here on 101 ESPN. Your prediction, your score for this game tonight?
5: Uh, score tonight, I predict 4-2. Blues. It'll be 3-2, and they will seal the deal with an empty
6: netter. 4-2. 3-1, seal the deal with an empty netter. Bennington is going to be a monster tonight. 3-1, Blues. I've got 4-3, Blues.
4: I think it's going to be tight throughout. I think the Blues put it away in the end. 4-3, Blues get the victory. They head into game number three, feeling much better about how, where they're at. This is a must-win, in my opinion. It's a must If ever there was a must win game two. I think this is it. Blues got to get back on the right track. They have not won a game since going up to Edmonton. They've got to get that tonight. Going down 0-2 teams in the NHL in a best of seven series win 13% of the time. Blue's got to get this win tonight. For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. We'll cross things over with the Fastlane coming up next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast
2: on 101 ESPN.
4: With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane now. Chris Ronge in studio, Ronge, Everything bad that has happened for the Cardinals is your fault. I just Hello, want Ronge. you to know that.
5: <laughs> Seriously, we just went through an all, a laundry list. That was all your right. fault. Coronavirus.
4: Yes,
3: You're but it took worse. like yeah, Luis took, Robert. That's your fault. Luis Robert is definitely my fault. Fernando You're Tatis.
4: Tatis Jr. Your You're fault. Also my fault. I told Mike Trout them. Mike isn't here
5: because of you. Mike Scherzer Arnata?
3: Yes, Dexter Fowler was good. I brought until Paul, you got I here. got Paul Goldschmidt here. Yeah, how yeah, what gone. you did to
6: him. He's not the same. He is not the same, but he's still good. He, you you put Paul DeYoung on the injured list. Yeah, now we
3: lost our four hole hitter. I brought him here. He's a Redbird.
4: Now nah, he was definitely here. Before
3: hashtag, Illinois State Redbird. Hey, hashtag Yeah, Rangie.
4: <laughs> You're I mean,
3: the it's worst. It's gotta be my fault, right? You're the worst. How you doing today, man? I feel. Phenomenal! How do you feel? Got a Blues game uh, coming up here in th- three hours. I'm pretty sure Wait, there's a hundred
4: Cardinals games in the next five days as well. Oh my nice. god! Oh my god! Are there ever? I'm gonna have to buy another
3: puzzle for my wife to do. <laughs> what? Go to your puzzle. What? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> I'll see you in a month. Go, so, seven, she's, Go to your puzzle. Go your damn puzzle. She's got nothing to do because you're so busy. Is that what it is? No,
5: it was uh, one of our junk drawer segments. Uh, husband joke. had a wife that put a nine thousand piece puzzle together and then he like lifted it up for a picture and it fell down and broke and then i i had the nine thousand piece puzzle i had a quick take on it being that maybe he did it on purpose because it kept her really busy and out of his hair oh my god so i was like maybe i'm gonna get a puzzle for my
3: wife and watch sports all night that is really (laughs) rude of you and hilarious i hope she took the joke well my wife yeah no not at all she's pissed kicked right in the balls yeah. Hey, real quick, can I get that watch? By the way, uh, Jay, I, I'm into watches a little bit, and uh, Jamie Rivers has a nice one somewhere in a safe, and he doesn't wear it, and he refuses to give it to me, which yeah. I think can is Can you nonsense. blame him?
4: Everything that you touch goes to crap. Well, can but it wouldn't that? matter.
3: It'd be out of his possession. Right away, it's going to break if I put it on Just Ron's give it to choice. me. You don't, you don't use it. No, what it good is fit. it in
7: a
5: safe? I, you know what? I, I would give it to you, but it's almost more fun to just not give it to you
3: <laughs> and be bugged about it. That sounds. quick question right. for you. I hope it's a blues question. How old
4: are you? Oh, I'm wow. in my forties. You're in your forties. Yeah. Don't I am, ever get married. I don't think that's
3: gonna I mean, be risky. Like, you know what? Everybody's always like, eh, "What's wrong with you? You're not married." Like, are you happy? Really? I, I, I love. Don't do it. Don't do it. I, I'm I, was, tell you, I was unaware of how expensive weddings you, are. I'm gonna tell you right if now. are betting. I'm betting he's not. Don't you think I? I mean, I might. I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing, fellas. Uh, there has not been one dude in my entire life, in my entire life. And th- when I say 100%, I mean 100% of dudes. When we talk about marriage, 100% of them have never said to me, dude, it's great. You should do it. You I just said it married. earlier. I think
6: it's great. No, I to, just said it to, to earlier.
3: Be really no, 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 no. You're saying wait. it when your wives can hear you. No. no she's yeah, not listening. Yeah. My wife is yeah. doing a puzzle right now, yeah. Yeah. okay?
5: <laughs> and I when the microphones it, are off. And it's
3: amazing. When the microphones never go off, you like problem. don't do it. I've never had wait. one problem. I've never had one
4: never. problem. Every
5: day I wake up and there's rainbows and unicorns running through my living room. See, see, I can see right <laughs> through a, that.
4: And a spider that bit him on the face. And last a spider time. that
5: <laughs> bit me on the face.
4: Ooh, better hope that's
5: not a brown clue. Yeah, now I got like I got my spidey senses tingling. That's what I he's going with. That's, that's, how the, how that's how
4: the story. That is Something not a ringing endorsement of marriage. I can't wait to marry my my fiance. Cannot wait. I can't wait to be married to my fiance. If we could skip this whole wedding paying for the wedding thing yeah i'd be down yeah i'm ecstatic i'm married i've been married for almost five
6: years okay okay so take that hundred percent okay Range. okay yeah. well
3: now now let's let's now talk with them
6: the yeah off. turn the mics off and then we'll talk <laughs> thanks a lot yeah. how excited are yeah. you to
4: see carlson tonight
3: i'm, I'm or looking forward to it and uh we're gonna get into it as soon as the show starts here anthony stalter and i are gonna be with you today no for the bt a uh, bt is oot Oot. Why? What happened? I don't I think he went to Canada. Late scratch? I don't know where he is. Wow. No, no, no. He he had uh, taken it off. He had had enough, I guess. And I get it. He's tired of being grongied. I mean, there are times where I've had enough around here, <laughs> but I still come to work every day. So here here's the thing. Uh, he's not going to be in, but Anthony and I are, and we will take you all the way up to the Blues pregame show at 4.30. Oh, 430? yeah. You guys got the easy shift today. For once. <laughs> We're we're usually in here just working our asses off every day for you, <laughs> the St. Louisan.
6: Oh, they didn't tell you that if the uh, Avalanche and Coyotes game goes long, you guys just got to keep going until a bitch. Yeah, Nobody told guys me might that. Be here. Oh, that's Six. a good point, actually. Triple OT, yeah. you guys
3: are here. Actually, that's true. Wow. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? We'd be happy to. We would be happy to be here and talk. For a yeah. second. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you mean? Do you think I'm a liar? No, yeah. no I, don't actually, I actually don't think you're a liar. Thank you, Jamie. I, I appreciate you're it. The I you're the medi- worst jerk, but not a liar. <laughs> that makes at least one of us. What's coming I up on the fast lane today? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about Dylan Carlson, but I want to I find out about uh, the Blues here. Since oh, I got, I
5: got a question for you. Right, what? <laughs> Before you jump, because this guy's hot topic for me today. John Nagowski. This
4: guy's awesome. John Noggs. The Nog. I don't the know. Nog. You don't know the Nog? Who the hell? Who knows? We know. We've been looking him up all day. Yeah. Well, what have you looked MVP. up? This guy puts back Video. the ball, baby. Each of the last three years, more walks than strikeouts. 300 hitter. That's great. Guy, that's great.
3: Yeah. That's
4: great. All right. Let's see what happens. <laughs>
3: You All know who right. else does that? The only the only person that I'm of, of the. And I don't know about these young guys. Who really knows anything about the young players? I just told you. Yeah, well, th- he's th- 27. He's at, not that young. You're looking at numbers that don't really matter right now. Wow. Right. Here's what I'm telling you. Dylan Strikeouts don't matter? That's great. What are we supposed to that, base it really on great. then? Dylan Carlson, he's going to be a damn stud. <laughs> You'll probably from get day him one. traded away, though. I'll probably get him traded away. There's we no just... question. Jamie, are the Blues in trouble or nah? No. Okay.
5: No, not at all. Yeah, third periods are not great, but I think that uh, listen, last game, first two periods were much better than we've seen to date since the pause has been over. I'm not worried.
6: All
3: I right, you, last year, right? You did, you did. There were a couple of times I had to, I had to have you talk me down from the from the ledge. Yeah,
5: we get like the three in the morning text: Are the Blues in trouble? I'm like, quote, oh, Ranj, where are you? Back away from the ledge. Call me. I'm here for you.
4: Oh, true sure or false though? Must win game tonight. We're actually going to talk about that. Okay. Well,
3: yeah. I mean, that's it's coming it's up a, today I'm because great we're like, job, PK. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to bring up? <laughs> there's a <laughs> hey, Cardinals there's only road so many trip. You to want to discuss. talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you just ask me some questions? Have any Darren Payne could it? Yeah, Darren Payne's going to be with us. Darren
4: Payne's and be Danny great. Mac. Danny and Mac's going to oh, be fantastic. I Danny if Mac Friday. I don't
3: know if he'll be in the car when he's talking to us, but. They're all, they're,
4: well, they're all well, Cardinal. Lip. I think he's broadcasting here. from here. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, no,
3: that's well, no, don't don't COVID. T- oh, bro. that's right. The road team doesn't go. Well, he might be in a car though. That's true. So you never know. Yeah, you never know.
1: No.
4: Ronji's Rona report coming up. We've got plenty of that. Plus, it's bad, fellas. Blues and the Cardinals all in action this weekend. For the first time, I think. In a long time For Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be back on Monday at 11 Fastlane's coming Superstars. up next Superstars
2: You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast On 101 ESPN Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental,
4: emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing, only for limited time.
2: Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments
5: required. See store for details.